We're live, pal. Here we go. Welcome to Rivalry Week. We had a matchup of powerhouses in the Big Ten. We had several top teams on the ropes. For the most part, the favorites won this weekend. Coaches are being fired, coaches are being hired, and there's rumors abound. Forget about anybody else. Let's talk about all the teams going to their conference championship games this week. How about it, Andrew? It's the weekend we've been waiting for, Larry, because it's the SEC championship game. It's Georgia and it's Alabama the way the Lord intended. But before we jump into our coverage of the two greatest teams walking God's green earth, we got to talk about refereeing, officiating. The terrible calls this weekend were absolute hot garbage. And you put your thumbs back up. Because Georgia and Alabama are number one and number two, respectively, in my heart. We weren't looking for that one and two, but that works, Terry. But what I saw this weekend, a lot of great football, November football, really good competitive football games. Unfortunately, there's going to be several that are tainted because of inconsistent officiating. What is the rule for holding? What is the rule for defensive holding? What is the rule for pass interference? And what is the rule for targeting? Quite frankly, I don't know. So my challenge to anybody in the NCAA at this point would be let's figure it out because there is so much inconsistency across the games, across the conferences, and now we've got the championship games, and you know as well as I do, Terry, a targeting call in a championship game means the next game you play, you're out for the first half. Huge, huge, huge ramifications. So that's where I'm at. Referees, clean your shit up. You look like crap this weekend. Uh, if I was going to give the refs a grade, it would be a D minus or some shit because it was awful. Absolute garbage. But I'm going to take a breath and sip another cup of coffee while we do this. How about the game? The game of the week, sir. The game. Of no, the game. not Ohio State, what Michigan, Terry. Put it in reverse. We don't talk about those those guys. The – no, 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 no. We're not even mentioning Ohio State. The game was the Iron Bowl. Alabama, Auburn, Jordan-Hare Stadium, 90,000 in attendance. Big-time football played by Auburn this weekend. They just didn't have enough to get it done. And we're going to get into all the particulars, Terry. But even as an Alabama fan, yes, you can call me that. I, I wear it with a badge of honor as I argue with all of the idiot Alabama fans on Facebook because there are some dumb asses out there. And, yes, I just said that about Alabama fans. But, um, buddy, Auburn played way up in this game, way, way, way up. I don't want to say Alabama punched down. I think that's disrespectful to Auburn. I think Auburn – Rose up to the to the challenge, you know, the good underdog story. It's their house. They're trying to defend it. They look like shit last week. Let's face it, New Mexico State had no Absolutely. business beating them. Um, and that was not the same Auburn team that you saw play the Crimson Tide Saturday. Terry, yeah, and every, it's the you know, game for us, and it's your team. So take it away, buddy. Well, so last week, 
every aspect of the game, Auburn got beat by New Mexico State. I mean, it wasn't that they just happened to find something and go with it. Everything they did, offensive line, defensive line, special teams, passing, running, they did everything well. Auburn didn't do anything well. Um, and that's, um, you know, it wasn't even a turnover thing last week. It was just getting punched in the mouth and not having enough leadership to turn it around. And that's what you expect with these games. You pay a couple of million dollars, guys come in. They might have a decent start, but um, you turn it on at some point. Auburn couldn't find it. Auburn could not find it last week. But, and this I've been thinking about it real hard, what do I take from this season, these 12 games, especially the last two games? I think the New Mexico State game, is an example of where Auburn is. I think the Alabama game, the Georgia game, and the Ole Miss game are glimpses of where they could go. Now, if you look at stats, Auburn still can't pass the ball, even in the Iron Bowl, even with a 99.9% chance to beat Alabama with 30 seconds left. They didn't even pass for 100 yards. I mean, if they could have, they would have. We can say that, oh, they ran well. well. Part of it is they couldn't pass. They hit a couple of fairly big passes. They just completed six, six out of 17. Um, so, obviously, there's some big holes to clear up. Um, you know, there was that situation. This is – let me just – let me go on a mini rant here. I despise the way we do – numbers on football teams i know that some guys are going to have to have the same numbers as other guys because the roster's so big but why do we have the starter and the backup both being number zero as the punt returner to the point where the head coach didn't even know after the game that the backup was in and made the fumble he thought it was the starter apparently the starter got dinged up went to the medical tent head coach didn't even know what was going on so that's a problem Right. I blame, you know, he was on the side of him that he couldn't see his last name on his back. Not that he's going to stare it down, but he sees number zero and he thinks Keontae Scott. Um, so he thought that's who had the muffed punt up until he was told at the press conference. That's got to be fixed. But it doesn't it doesn't kill me. You know, that kind of thing is something you can say that has to be fixed. We will fix it going forward. That um, that I'm good with. And if you learn some lessons and you have the energy and you have and you get more talent, and honestly, the crowd, I didn't know what to expect from the crowd this week. You know, all year long we've been saying Jordan Hare is hard to play in, and then New Mexico State laughs at that and whips their tails. I was really impressed that the crowd was in it. They had an opportunity at the start of the game with a three and out, and then Alabama scores pretty quickly to just be dead. But they didn't do it. They got in it. They stayed in it. I think it's pretty promising. There was about 50-something recruits for, like, the next three years in attendance. Uh, it's going to be big. A lot of hope, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of promise for what Hugh Freeze is doing down there. And we'll see what happens. Big time game turned in by Auburn. Freeze's comments I did catch after the game. I did see the bit about the return man. Um, 
but one of the comments I saw that someone like yourself is a lifelong Auburn fan, alumni, same, same thing I look for from head coaches uh, at Nebraska, because obviously whatever Nick Saban says might as well come from Jesus H. Christ himself at this point, uh, at least in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> but I saw that look on your face when I added that. But, but Well, I got, I got that, a little bit from the Tuscaloosa news that I'll get to in a minute, but go ahead. Freeze was so complimentary and and so positive about the future. We had talked back and forth off of the, off air, obviously, all week long about the Iron Bowl. Terry's an Auburn fan. I'm an Alabama fan. If y'all hadn't figured that out clear, you're not listening to the show. But I started watching Alabama in 2008. Saban was there in seven. But the reason I started watching is I was in college and I had local cable. Well, the CBS game of the week so often was Alabama or Florida. So I watched a lot of Tebow those years too when I was in college. And all of a sudden, you know, when I was in graduate school, same year that Sue was at Nebraska, the 09 Crimson Tide show up. And that was a pretty good football team. So they were on CBS every single week. So my point was the reason I started rooting for him is I just watched him. And then I started listening to Nick Saban and his philosophies, his defense first, the run game, the process, all those things that I absolutely love. 15 years later, I'm an Alabama fan. And I have stated in a loud, clear voice, if we ever get a 73 national championship rematch or 72, uh, 71, I guess it was, whatever. Bear Bryant went down to Nebraska 35 to 6 or something in that game. He didn't have a chance against Devaney's team. So I'm still going to root for the Huskers, but what I saw Freeze say that matters most to me is he's got such a positive outlook for this team. This team is going to be competitive. We're going to get our stars. This this year was more about evaluation as to where we are, but I saw today where we can go. That was his point, that, look, you played almighty Alabama, and I say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but Nick Saban's worth seven points standing on the sideline. The Alabama reputation that they bring, that they intimidate folks before they ever get on the field. You don't think that 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 punt return man realized how big the moment was, that he's got to catch this ball, secure this ball, um, and he, and he, he buckled under the pressure. And then you saw Jalen Milrow do what he's done all year, and he put Alabama on his back. At fourth and 31 to go. Well, it was goal from the 31. Right. He hits the go-home touchdown, just like Tua did in the national title game. It wasn't a busted coverage, though. And we can get into right. this part of the game, Terry. It wasn't a busted coverage. It's a three-man rush with a quarterback spy, which means effectively you got two on seven because the quarterback spy is in case Milrow decides to try to get the 31 on his feet. Right. And... He's back Which, I mean, I would enough. hope 31 yards is enough room for somebody to figure out he's running. Correct. And I was going to – but, you know, they're spying him because they don't want to rush him. They're yeah. not They're not rushing him because they don't want to get burned because everybody's back deep. Okay, let me cut but, in. If you're going to rush two, why not rush zero? There you go. I mean, realistically, what are those two guys doing for you? Why not put if 11 guys in the end zone? If it ain't Nick Fairley or Indominican Sue as your pass rushers, you don't have a right. prayer when it's two on not uh, two on six, I guess it was. But 
what I was getting at was it, it opened up and he saw it and he hits yeah. the only spot that they're going to score. And the guy yeah. catches the ball one foot in, two foot in, ass on the ground. And the Auburn defender was in position, but he wasn't in position to make a right. play because there was no play to be made. If he's yeah. any tighter, it's pass interference. If he if he gets physical, and then you have he a threw replay it from to the, the right spot, too. Right yeah. spot, right timing. And in this game, because I saw it two different ways, I know Alabama is often favored in calls, or at least seemingly they are. I don't know that you can say that in terms of all the penalties this year, last year, and even the year before. Yeah. But the the refereeing on both sides was atrocious in this game. Well, they there was a lot I'm of I'm not going to defend calls. Alabama. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. There there was obvious holds, there was obvious defensive holding. There were a couple times I thought it was pass interference and I'm talking about both ways. This is not me an Alabama fan making excuses. Yeah, this was. is me as a football fan getting pissed off because this is a high-level football game, and you guys are missing calls that I would make. I mean, and I get to let them play a little bit, but once that jersey is out here, you know, away from the shoulder pad, that is holding in every sense of the word. And if it's a rule, it's a rule. Enforce the damn rule, okay? But I saw a lot of people on both sides, depending on which side you run, getting shitty about about the calls well i've said it before if the game comes down to a referee's call you didn't do your job right but i think there were enough bad ones missed ones non-calls in that particular game that it did ultimately affect some of the outcome from the pass interference touchdown was that man was in bounds terry the alabama receiver was was. in bounds yeah i'm same not sure the what missed. they were looking at there i mean even same, the guy same as the missed face mask on your side oh yeah they missed the face mask <laughs> against Oxford. well i'll tell you what I they mean... did call they called three illegal forward passes when's the last time you saw three times that a quarterback threw the ball past the line of scrimmage in one game especially at this level when's the last time you saw a hugh freeze or nick saban coached quarterback throw the ball beyond the line of scrimmage right exactly or pass the ball excuse me beyond the line of scrimmage so but you're right that hurt him that really hurt him um it was an odd game because like you said they shut auburn out first drive next thing you know alabama boom boom and i'm like you and i are texting and i'm like this is gonna get ugly you know like it was looking like alabama was gonna start the freight train yeah but to auburn's credit they were never out of the game I mean, I know they led and they were coming from, but they never, Alabama never did anything to empty the stands. Yeah. They never did anything that was going to empty the stands Saturday. And you and I have watched a lot of these games. Mm-hmm. You obviously have a few more than I do because I picked yeah. up Alabama in 08. But these are the weird games. They could be 11 and 0 and 0 and 11. And you can throw that shit out the record book because it, it does not matter in this game. Well, if it's in Jordan-Hare, I would say that. Tuscaloosa has been a different story. The only Auburn team that has beaten Saban in Tuscaloosa is the national championship team in 2010. And they had to storm back. They were down 24 to nothing. Um, But everybody else has lost. Um, He's only got one loss in Tuscaloosa. Um, But he – And by the way, that 2010 Alabama season? Yeah. That was 
that was a losing season, Terry. They finished 10 and 3. Right. <laughs> exactly. From their standards, it's definitely a losing season. Um, Saban is now, he now has a re- winning record at Alabama. Um, let's see, in his tenure at Alabama at Jordan Hare, he's 5 and 4. Overall, he is 5 and 7 because he was 0 and 3 at LSU. So it has been obviously it's it's a tough place to play unless you're New Mexico State for whatever reason. But And now um, he's 12 and 5 in the Iron Bowl. Yes, 12 and 5, which is still not as good as Bear Bryant cuz Bear Bryant is like 19 and 5, I think, 19 and 6 maybe, something like that. I think it was 19 and six. So yeah. But definitely. Auburn wasn't nearly the football team either when Bear Bryant was coaching. I I know there's a lot yeah. of apologists for Auburn football, but there's for Bear Bryant anyway, defending him as the best coach ever. He played some cupcakes. He didn't he didn't different play era. the same yeah, he didn't yeah. play the same sort of ta- talent. Um, yeah, and the rule I mean, so much is different between then and now. I mean, mm-hmm. it's now set up to be a lot more balanced. And Saban has been able to do this even then. Through all of that, he's been able to do it. So, you know, obviously that's what makes him the GOAT compared to Bryant. Um, But, yeah, for whatever reason, um, Jordan Hare is, you know, it's not, you know, like you said 90,000. There may have been that many there. I think the reported capacity. capacity, I think it's capacity, Somewhere around 88, I think, or something like that. But. You know, I don't know who all you count, but um, it is pretty rowdy. And there was a statement recently from, I guess, uh, Georgia's quarterback talking about, you know, playing at Jordan-Hare was a lot louder than than Neyland Stadium. And obviously, Neyland is 15,000 more seats. Um but, you know, it is a pretty rowdy place. Uh, the basketball arena is kind of the same way. I think it only holds 10,000 or so, but it gets rowdy in there. And um, I think it, it's just the atmosphere down there. And I will say this, though, as rowdy as it can be in support of the team, it can also get rowdy against the team. And we've mm-hmm. talked about, you know, Bo Nix's comments, and um, those are those hit really hard and i've put some things out on social media about auburn fans it i mean right now we still have auburn fans saying to fire hugh freeze how stupid can you be i just don't get it i don't understand that logic now if they're if they started from the beginning and they don't like some of the things he did some of the things in his past some of his baggage i get that but if they're talking about the play on the field I don't see how you can turn around from that. Even if they did have some questionable defensive schemes to end the game, I just don't see how you go from that to saying that Hugh Freeze is not the guy. I mean, I see a lot of promise there. Auburn friends are fickle. Auburn fans are just – yeah, I don't understand it. My thing is with the, the call at the end, and this is my – my bitch, if for the lack of a better word, about a lot of these teams, it's not just Hugh Freeze. They get conservative because they don't want to make a mistake. But you let one of the best quarterbacks in your league yeah. and one of the best in the country have time to throw that pass. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying send a 10-man blitz because that doesn't work either. He'll get loose right. and he'll score the touchdown with his legs. 
But like you said, Terry, a two-man rush, a quarterback spy, that's not really good defense. That mm-hmm. That's not the prevent defense. What was working, what was shutting Alabama down was Auburn's defensive line finally showed up and was yeah. clogging running lanes, and they were forcing Milrow to pass the ball. So yeah. when it looked like that was all they were going to call, when Tommy Reese is calling three consecutive pass plays, and your cornerbacks and safeties are playing with confidence because they got the lead and everything right. you're doing on, de- on defense is working. Then the last play of the game that matters, you totally abandon that particular, that mindset. I've never understood it. And you can, it doesn't have to be Auburn. I'm not even picking on them. And this but is this even worse in this case. I mean, it's fourth defense, down. It's, uh, if he yeah. runs for 25 yards, you win the football game. Let him run Correct. for 25 yards. Who cares? Right. Why is there a spy? Right. The whole team can be a spy from the end zone. I, I just, yep. I don't get that. But uh, Hugh Freeze's yeah. comment was, um, there should have been another guy. Now, the defense that I saw was that there were, let's see, let me do the count, eight defenders in the end zone mm-hmm. and five receivers. So the three middle receivers were doubled. So that's six of them. And the guys on the outside were, were on one guy. Now, DJ James is the guy that got beat. He had a great game. He has been phenomenal all season. You know, he's going to be remembered as the guy that got beat, and that's probably not fair. It is what it is, though. But um, I just – it comes down to the same thing you're saying. It's like, You've got to shrink the time on the quarterback. And if you're doing a spy, which, like I said, means absolutely nothing in this case, and you send two guys that are both being double teamed on a block, there's no way that you're going to shrink the time on that quarterback. And he had all day. He could scan back and forth. And he's been taught all season. You know, we talk about Alabama got beat by Texas toward the start of the year and how much better they are now. The biggest improvement on that team is Jalen Milrow. And he (laughs) showed it on that last pass. He put it at the right place. It wasn't just goofy defense. I don't want to hear about this offensive pass interference nonsense. They're not going to call that unless the guy just destroys the cornerback. They're not going to do it. They will call it on the defense in that case, obviously. But um, you're not going to get that call. You've got to get there. He put it at the right spot. The right spot was a very small area to be out of the reach of the defense and for the receiver to be able to get a foot down. He did it, and they won. And, you know, I'm I'm to the point, I don't get too heartbroken over it. I know it's not a moral victory thing. I've been through 40-something Iron Bowls now. You know, <laughs> there's there's been heartache. This Terry's is not old nearly. as fuck. That's what I just heard. <laughs> hey, don't talk about my uh, gray hair and my beard, buddy. You're you're gonna get it pretty soon, right? Anyway, right here. <laughs> so, so I've seen a lot, and I will take this. And this, like I said, it's not moral victory. We should have won this ball game. And there's a quote from Hugh Freeze. Let me look it up. I took a screenshot of it on my phone. Freeze. He said, it's hard for me to sit here and say I'm proud of delivering six wins when it could have been more. That's how you got to see it. 
Are you proud of the effort the guys gave? Sure. It's not a moral victory. You know what you should have done. You know what to correct moving forward. But there's been games that I've watched where we got beat 40 to nothing in the Iron Bowl. This ain't like that. That's heartbreak. When you don't show up and you got no chance, that's heartbreak. Something like this, we played well. We got beat. We should have won. We should have won because we had 99.9% chance to win on the ESPN algorithm thing with like 30 seconds left. So we should have won. We didn't. But we can't just bellyache about it. We can't blame everybody and their mama. We just pick up the pieces and we move forward. We figure out what our roster looks like for the bowl game because these days it's 2023. You have no clue what your roster is going to be. We might have a fourth-string quarterback starting the bowl game. That's where we are in 2023. But then we move forward, and we look for 2024, and we go forward and we get better. That's all you can do. Well, I texted you, uh, final drive of the game, obviously. Alabama, first down, okay. Second down, fumble the ball all the way back. Third down, get eaten up. Fourth and Crazy. 31. Fourth and goal from the 31. And I texted you that I am currently in the saving position. And I <laughs> I was in front of my 52-inch television in the living room. I was standing up, arms crossed, scowl on my face, ready to motherfuck somebody. Because, yeah. I mean, and if it wasn't the Nick Saban, I don't know what it was. It was my best imitation I've ever done. And then they hit the touchdown, you know. And to your point, Milrow put it where only his receiver was going to catch it. He didn't look down the middle, which was the most dangerous place to throw the oh, ball. Yeah. Offensive pass interference is very difficult to prove unless you ramrod the guy. And here's yeah. the thing that going to our defense we were talking about, seven and a half seconds from snap to throw. That's an eternity in it a is. football game. And you give a quarterback with the IQ, the football IQ of Jalen Moreau, the improvement, and the fact that he's at the University of Alabama says something right there. You give him seven and a half seconds, and then you expect your cornerback, who's had a balls-out game, to be able to defend that pass for seven and a half seconds. That is forever. And in the end zone, you don't risk pass interference. You don't risk holding. Because if they call that, that's a first down from the two. Yeah. So your defender has to be has to be careful. Not saying don't be aggressive, but don't do something that's going to be called yeah. badly. So really good throw by Milrow. Don't understand the defense. Love Freeze's attitude. And Saban said it in his post post conference or post game conference. He said we got the breaks this time. Mm -hmm. He says it doesn't always work that way. He right. said nobody expected that kid to muff the punt. Nobody expect. I think he said young man. He didn't say kid, but nobody expected the special teams mess up. Right. He didn't. Yeah, and people are saying, "Why not let to, it to drop. fumble the it's ball like, and go back to the thirty-one? You know. And this is the so, stuff I don't get. In hindsight, you can say, "Why didn't he just let it hit the ground?" Well, he didn't know he was going to fall on his butt. That's why he didn't let it hit the ground. He thought right. he called a fair catch. He will do like he's done a million times. He will go over there and catch it, and they'll run the clock out. That's what's in his mind. That's what's supposed to be yep. in his mind. This criticism that he could have somehow foretold the future, that he was going to fall down. I don't know if it was wet grass or what. There were a couple of guys slipping. But but 
I mean, you can't be too hard on that either. Those are the breaks sometimes. I well, mean, and the other thing is, 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 you know, where the guy kicked the ball, goes to catch it. Oh, well, why didn't he just move? Well, let's say he goes to move, he slips and falls, it hits yeah. him in the leg. The ball's live anyway. So yeah. you're, you end up with the same result. So like you said, it's a bad beat for the kid, uh, your receiver. At the end of the day, though, it's really poor coaching that you didn't know who was in the game. It is. And I think Freeze will, Freeze will take that away. And I, when I say poor coaching, administratively, that's yes. bad coaching. Well, that's bad can... coaching, not knowing who your personnel is. And like you said, you got two zeros if they're similar in size and you yeah, know, you're not, not do that. paying that much attention. You know, um, now if there's two zeros and I'm wearing the zero and you're wearing the zero, Terry, we could probably <laughs> differentiate who's in the football game. Right. But if, like I said, if these are college athletes, similar in size, backup yeah, corners you or can't safeties, do that. whatever they are. One of them's a defensive bag, that. one of them's a receiver. But when you're talking about special teams, those guys play the same positions on special teams. Yep. And yep. one thing that always bothered me, and I think I mentioned it earlier in the year, this was back in the Tuberville days. Cody Burns was a quarterback, and I think he was number 18. The kicker was number 18. Why would you do a quarterback and a kicker both the same number? To me, it's like you are taking away the ability to put Cody Burns, who is a mobile quarterback, as your holder, and fake a kick. Yep. I mean, that. Yep. I, mean I know it's a small percentage you're taking away, but – all you got to do is make sure that guys like that don't have the same number. I just don't get it. Maybe it's too much of a criticism, but I always thought that's – or maybe I played too many video games. I don't know. But um, I always thought that's something that um, shouldn't have been done that way. But anyway, back to the game. You know, um, penalties weren't that bad. Uh, they probably committed a lot more penalties than were called, both sides. Um, there was showed- some uh- – F- after the play extracurriculars yeah. on both sides, Toward they, the end, they, they sure. really, they really got lucky. The refs didn't throw the flags. Yeah. Instead, they let them, they let them go because it, it got was chippy. It was both, it was both parties. It was both sides. You can sit there and say it was Alabama. Or you could say it was Auburn. Yeah, Me and Terry are going to tell y'all. It, it was the same. It was, it was yeah. both of them. And you know, there were instances. And again, this is going into like the SEC title game. Throw two personal fouls. You're out of the game. You're yeah. out for a half. So you can't, you can't get away with that, that stuff. You can't. No. But Auburn, but I you know, the penalties Alabama. Were good. Play call was good. You know, go ahead. Yeah. But Alabama didn't turn the ball over. Auburn shows three turnovers. But realistically, the two interceptions were not that big a deal. Obviously, the last one, people have debated about the final score. It was 27-24. There is a picture that I saw. I did see live action after I saw the picture. He stepped out at like the three. And then he ran in. So that's why they didn't count the touchdown. But 27-24, really close to being 33-24. But obviously we know what the story was. Um, But the fumble is the thing. That fumble was the key thing. But even after the fumble, as we said, the center snapped. And that's something Alabama's got to look for. Is the the guy going to be able to get the ball to the quarterback properly? When we look forward to the SEC championship or a bowl game or, you know, if things fall right, the playoffs, is this guy going to be dependable to get the ball to the quarterback? And that's tough. I don't know. So we'll see. But obviously um, there's a little bit of pride 
obviously some things to fix on our side. Um, and I'm at the point where, once again, Auburn's two biggest rivals are playing for the conference championship. And people are going to assume I, I root for Alabama against Alabama every time, but that's not necessarily the case. I root for both of them not getting to the playoffs. That's what I root for. Stop it, Terry. Roll Tide. Roll so I'll probably tide. root for Alabama this time, and I'll root Into for Texas. Atlanta. <laughs> and I'll root for Washington. No, I can't root for Washington. I'll be root for Oregon, but we'll see what happens. It should be a good game. But I, let's talk about the other team that will be in this SEC championship. The Georgia Bulldogs, who up until this weekend had been rolling, but you know, you don't know if they had a letdown looking forward. They had clinched a spot in the SEC championship. They had looked awesome for the last few weeks. 31-23, and um, they let Georgia Tech come back. It was 31-13 at the end of the third. Georgia Tech scores 10 points and um, ran out of time. Two, two turnovers, pretty critical for Georgia. They didn't, they didn't really pay for it much against Georgia Tech. The thing is, I auto, I automatically saw this game as being a lopsided one way. You yeah. know, yeah, I didn't even give Georgia Tech that puncher's chance that you get when you're in a UFC fight and everybody starts on their feet. Um, I didn't, I didn't give them that chance. But good for Georgia Tech having a nice showing. I think that Georgia's the probably the best team in football. When we get to our rankings, I will justify my vote against them for number one this week. <laughs> but um, I think that Georgia probably has the most complete football team. Um, now that Bowers is back, Mims is back, the defense is starting to click. No offense to Auburn when I say this, but they gave Alabama hell on the running game, and they don't have the defensive caliber that Georgia does. Right. So that's concerning. For an Alabama fan, um, they don't have the defensive pedigree that Georgia does. They don't have the system, the backs, right. the linebackers, and the defensive line. They don't have a head coach who is one of the most brilliant defensive coordinators the game has seen in the last 50 right. or 60 years. Um, you don't think they're going to put somebody in Milrose's face the whole game? The, the, the whole game. The whole game. But he also likes to do the six in the box. Kirby's got good enough safeties and cornerbacks. He's not afraid to play man-to-man. -man. Right. He's not afraid to leave a safety on an island against a big wide receiver. Uh, he's not a, against a safety or cornerback blitz. Um, so when I see that Georgia Tech played with him, I think it was more like Georgia didn't really show up for the game. And I hate right. to be that guy, but Georgia Tech isn't a good football team. And people can say, well, Auburn isn't a good football team. No. Auburn is a far better football team than Georgia Tech, though. Auburn may not be as good as they've been in the past, but they are not at the level of Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech is just not a good football team. I but, think Auburn's pretty much an incomplete football team. They're good at certain things and really bad at other things. They looked really good Saturday. Yeah. I mean, I'm the Alabama fan saying this. They looked really good Saturday. <laughs> not to get um, back to the other game, but you mentioned my team. I'll throw some stuff. No, I get you, but you know, like talking about Georgia, when when Milrow fumbles, when the center oversnaps the ball, and it goes rolling, I don't know that Georgia doesn't have fast enough front that they couldn't have gotten that ball, whereas Auburn did not in that particular case. But my yeah. point about Georgia, back to Georgia, they're going to put six in the box. They're going to be in Milrow's face. They didn't really have to play this game against Georgia Tech. 
This is the compliment to Georgia Tech, though. They beat Carolina. They always play up to their competition. So Georgia Tech, good job. Don't think you ever had a chance against Georgia personally. I just didn't. I didn't see that as a football game I even cared to turn on. Um, and the the obvious reasons we'll talk in a minute, Florida State, Florida ended up being a far better football game than what Georgia, Georgia Tech did. But Georgia is a five-point favorite going into Atlanta this weekend, yeah, I believe. Like it's a five-point favorite. Four and a half, something like that. Yeah. Uh, Kirby Smart is four or is one and four against Nick Saban. Kirby Smart is bringing the two-time defending national champions. Kirby Smart just completed the third 12-0 season, first time ever in the history of NCAA football. Because um, Saban's won national championships in years he's lost a game. So, well, he hasn't been undefeated, doing... but like twice, I think, in this 17 season. I say yeah. that like like there's expectation that he was going to be undefeated half the time. Oh, but... oh, oh, 09, 2020, and 14, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, so three of them, yeah. Yeah. But 2020 was the Devontae Smith, the, uh, the uh, Jaden Waddle, Mac Jones. Is that the uh, COVID the year? I mean, that's tough because yeah. there were 10. Yeah conference games the COVID year yeah and it and it was the running it was the running back Najee Harris it was that Alabama football team they ran over everybody that was the year they beat Auburn in the Iron Bowl by like 25 or 30 points yeah it was ugly it was ugly uh but anyway moving on from the let's not talk about Alabama <laughs> we keep going Georgia, back to <laughs> Georgia to me and I and I know everybody thinks I'm an Alabama fan we're gonna pick the score to the game I give Georgia the edge in this because, now, number one, they're not going to sleep on Alabama. Right. We're going to get Georgia come Saturday afternoon. We're going to get the Georgia Bulldogs, not to be confused with the Ohio State. But this team that plays a half, you're not going to get that Saturday afternoon. You are going to get the Georgia Bulldogs. The other thing is both of these teams, if they've been saving something, be that an exotic blitz, a different defensive package, a different play with Milrow. Now you're going to see it because this is the game that matters the most right now. Because to your point, Terry, if Alabama beats Georgia, they might end Georgia's playoff hopes. Mm -hmm. I think a couple other things have to happen, but Georgia loses. I don't think that they win. They, they're in the playoff. And if they lose big, they're definitely not in the playoff. On the other hand, Alabama loses by as much as one point, they're out of the playoff. They're not going to yeah. put a two-loss team in right. the playoff. That's not going to happen. Um, and and look, there's other football teams out there. We don't have to we don't have to say Alabama needs to make the playoff every year. But I can promise you this: as long as Nick Saban is coaching and there's going to be a 12-team playoff starting next year, Alabama will be, be in the damn playoff every year. Nick Saban is coaching. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean. Everybody says this will be the last season. I think this will be his last season. Yeah, he could coach as long as he wants. They have already built the statue to him. They already want to name the building after him. I he, mean, isn't he in that stance on the statue? In the stance you were in, he's like the arms no, folded. Stance? He's got the clap. Oh, he's, he's doing, doing the, the clap. clap. Okay, see, he's doing okay. the clap where he does his little golf clap thing. That's what he's doing <laughs> in the statue. But but George is going to be ready to play. Kirby yeah. Spart spent seven years as the assistant head coach, defensive coordinator to Nick Saban. This is something people forget. He was on the LSU staff, too. So he was the linebackers coach at LSU 
defensive coordinator was Will Muschamp, who coached safeties and, and cornerbacks. So this guy, Kirby Smart, I call him Saban's greatest disciple, the greatest pupil he's ever had. Yeah. Um, and there have been good ones. I mean, he's yeah. Jimbo's on the coaching tree, Lane's in the coaching tree. Yeah. Uh, Steve Starkeesian's in the coaching tree. McElwain, but Kirby's been there for an ex- but, he was there for an extended period of time. And he and Saban were peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. You talk about when Alabama's defensive output fell off. It was when Kirby Smart became the head coach of the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah. That happens for two reasons. Number one, he's getting defensive recruits at Georgia. Number two, he's no longer calling the defense at Alabama. That right. matters. That sincerely matters that Georgia um, Georgia is that good. I said early on, they're going to three-peat. This is, if there's a team to three-peat, this will be the team to three-peat. Now, they got to get by Alabama, and then they got two playoff games. But three-peat is so hard to accomplish. It hasn't been done since the 1930s. Hitler was in power the last time it happened, and it was (laughs) Minnesota. So, um, I mean, that's what I'm getting at. But if there is a team that can do it, it's Georgia. This isn't high praise ass kissing because I'm going to get into the X's and O's of the Alabama-Georgia game. At the end of the day, I guess we can talk about it because we don't have to predict. We're going to predict the score later, right? Well, we're going to do them all at the end, run through all 10. Okay. Well, I won't do the score thing, but this is what you got to do. You've got to spy Jalen Moreau with your Mm -hmm. best linebacker. You're going to have to manufacture a pass rush. Mm -hmm. Georgia's going to put six in the box to do it. That means you're playing one-on-one. Now, who gives in? The line of scrimmage where the wide receivers and the cornerbacks and safeties are playing is going to be critical in this football game. Georgia is going to get to Milrow. They are so good on defense, they will get to him. He's so good offensively, though, he's going to burn Georgia's ass. He's going to get him once or twice or three times. To me, this game is going to come down to one turnover. It's going to come down to a penalty. It's going to come down to, in the trenches, who's the most physical team. If Georgia starts jamming Alabama off the line of scrimmage early, those receivers can't get to their spots, they can't get set, and then Milrow starts to get uncomfortable with the with the pass rush, it's going to be a long day for any Alabama fan at the, at the uh, Mercedes-Benz uh, Stadium. On the other hand, the chance that Alabama has is to suck Georgia in with those middle field play action passes that Milrow is so good at. Mm-hmm. Because they'll run, they'll dive, they slant outside, and the next thing you know, he's hitting a crosser for a 20-yard gain. That's where they have a chance, because in the crossing pattern, the linebacker has contained, not the safeties and cornerbacks that Kirby Smart helps coach. I think so, they'll have at least 40 yards rushing on pass plays. And they have they have got to they have got to protect, meaning Georgia, they have got to protect the integrity mm-hmm. of the box and they cannot let him get loose in a quarterback draw situation because right. if Saban calls it, he's going to tell he's going to tell uh Tommy Reese if the draw is there, you always give that option to Jalen if the draw is there, you take it. Because when the draw is there against Georgia, it's going to be worth four to eight yards. And you right. might as well take it. And then if he can shake loose, then it could be worth more. 
But and when I say when I say I, pass play, that includes RPOs, obviously. But in in a but pass, I agree with you. Yeah, he's, he's gonna, gonna find he's gonna have to beat them with their and he's gonna have to to beat Georgia. He's yeah. I mean Alabama. This is not the Alabama I just mentioned, the 2020 Alabama with Waddle and Smith and and uh, Mac Jones and and uh, I just lost his name again, the running back Najee Harris. Mm -hmm. This is not that Alabama football team. But this is still an Alabama football team, right? And the As amount you said, of respect, losing seasons in Tuscaloosa are three losses, three losses, and a lot of times it's in a bowl game that doesn't mean anything to them, even right. though it means something to everybody else. I mean, Utah routed them in the 08 season, the end of the 08 season. They took two consecutive losses: Florida first, Utah second. You know, because I they saw didn't a prediction care. that Alabama would face Tulane in a bowl at the end of the year. I saw that <laughs> same thing, and. <laughs> And God bless you. If you want to watch that, Tulane is going down like to the third <laughs> string. Um, oh, so that is not Alabama. But the game's going to be fun. Allison and I will be there. We making dinner what arrangements. What section? If Terry, uh, good question. One hundred two. One hundred two. That's pretty good. It started with a one. I was expecting like yeah. a three twenty seven or something like that. One hundred two. That's oh not no, bad. Sir. no, no, sir. One hundred two. I believe doing it, right. it is. Good deal. Yeah. We're not parking. We're not walking to the, we're walking to the stadium. You know, we're going to have some good time and all that sort of thing. And yes, we wish you were there along with our other friend. Um, but you know, it's Christmas time and that sort of thing next year, 24, not to get too far ahead, Georgia, Alabama play in September. But I know you want to go to the iron bowl. So, I don't know that I, I would ever say I want to go to Tuscaloosa, but I think that's where we'll be. <laughs> well, why don't we move on? <clears throat> I will say it because I know you refuse to, to the game, the one that we knew we yeah. were looking forward to, two of yeah. the top three teams in the country coming into the week, Ohio State, Michigan, 30-24 to 24, Michigan, pretty balanced game here um two turnovers from ohio state none from michigan six point ball game what'd you see uh same as you did a lot of physicality really really even yeah. even football game really even football game um jj mccarthy who was in the heisman trophy conversation is not going to win it like this no. 16 for 20, 148 yards and a touchdown. These are Peyton Thorne stats. The, uh, a lot of but, completions, but you're not going anywhere. But the difference is he did it against Ohio State. That's right. And But he's not going to get that credit because what they want is the Penix numbers and the Bo Nix numbers. and the. Well, um, I wouldn't say Penix the, the anymore. J His numbers have been similar to this lately. But the Jaden Daniel numbers out of the right. LSU against A&M this weekend. <laughs> exactly. You know? Um, but yeah, really clean football game. Four penalties for thirty-nine yards between both teams. Like you said, the two picks against uh, uh, for Ohio State. That really seems to be the missing element of this team. If they had a Braxton Miller, a Cardell Jones, this would be a very dangerous Ohio State football team that probably be the odds-on favorite to win the national championship. Yeah, paired with this defense, if they had a better quarterback. Ohio State, and I know people want me to shit on Ohio State, and I will, because fuck them, today, tomorrow, and forever. It's church, Terry. But 
the uh, all seriousness, Ohio State's a very disciplined, very good football team. It should have been a three-point disadvantage going into Ann Arbor anyway. But what I saw was a very bland Michigan team that just out-muscled and outlasted Ohio State that didn't have the razzle-dazzle that they've enjoyed with the JT Barrett's, the Braxton Millers, the Cardell Jones, right. uh, the the young guy at the Texans, he just played there last year. Uh, number two pick in the draft, not Stroud. Bryce, but the other one, Stroud. Who? Stroud. C.J. Stroud. I mean, you talk about a murderer's row of quarterbacks. Ohio State has had a long list of yeah. really, really good quarterbacks, and I think that was what was missing in this game as an X factor. Because as the announcer butchered over and again, beat you to dead horse, old Maserati Marvin Harrison showed up to play, and uh, we expected that. You got to get it to him, though. I mean, he had some pretty decent numbers, but the problem is he's capable of much more if he's got the offense and the quarterback to get him the ball. That's You you hear about how good he is. Yeah. All day. All day. You know, there's – there's two people. It takes two to tango here, as they say. And a quarterback, a quarterback is always going to be part of that discussion. The interesting thing that I've seen over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about it. And yes, I voted Michigan number one this week, and we'll get to our poll, you know, shortly. But they're doing it without Harbaugh. Yeah. And I think Michigan's a far better team with Harbaugh. I don't necessarily know. Well, I think that. I suspect that. We but won't I see don't until know the playoffs. Pre- well, no, he's back for the Big Ten Championship. Well, game. I mean, but we won't. I mean, you think we're going to be able to tell the difference against Iowa? I think the offense is going to have much better output than they, they okay. have the last three weeks. I, I just think that no matter who's coaching, Michigan is going to blast Iowa, obviously. <laughs> we're going to pick the score later, but – um I don't know that that's a good enough team to really put pressure on the difference between Harbaugh or no Harbaugh. Yeah, we'll go ahead and get to Iowa later. They fucking clowns. I mean, they're moving up my <laughs> they're list. Next. That'll be the next guy. Uh, they're moving up my <laughs> list. But, no, the deal – we said it We said it last week, the week before. Whoever wins the East is winning the Big Ten Championship. Yeah. And Michigan is secure in the driver's seat to the playoff right now. Uh, more so, I think, than any of the other teams. I think Michigan yeah. has the path. Yes. That defense of theirs is going to stop Iowa. They're going to keep them from scoring. There's not going to be a lot of points offensively from Iowa. And and we'll pick the points in a little bit. But, mm-hmm. I mean, Michigan's defense is – I was – let me back up. Iowa's defense is great. Michigan's defense is elite. And there yeah. is a big difference in the way they play. Um, Michigan is going to get after that quarterback, make him uncomfortable, make him try to throw the ball. And I don't see Iowa with an exit strategy. They don't have a big playmaker. And let's face it, if Michigan jumps up 21-0, to zero, just as a number, Iowa ain't built for that type of comeback, no. even if everything went right for them They're not. and wrong for Michigan. <laughs> 21 points, they are not built for that. Um, My deal is like Iowa a, keeps winning like on defense. Not like a man who, who we're going to talk about <laughs> later. A man, Terry, he's a man. So, he's 53 or whatever. 
So uh, we keep I think getting, he's fifty six. Age wrong. I think Davo's fifty three. We got them both mixed up. They're both men, right? But I think we'll talk um, about Gundy later. My <laughs> thought is Iowa. Obviously, they've been winning based on their defense, but I honestly think they're probably the fourth best defense in the Big Ten, behind the top three teams in the East. Because I think Penn State's defense is up there. No, the um, Nebraska's the top eighteen defenses. Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State are in the top five or six yeah. in the country. Mm-hmm. Iowa's like number 11. Nebraska was 18. Okay. That's five of your top 20 defenses in yeah. one league. One league. And you wonder why these games get a little boring, you and, know? Well, we're gonna, we'll are gonna we'll talk about it more in the offseason, obviously, but they're about to get a, a match lit on that next season. As they they pull in some non defense all offense teams from the Pac twelve, <laughs> which isn't going to bode well for the Pac twelve. But like you said, we'll get into yeah. it uh, in the off season. But so anything up, more to say up, about this game? Yeah, go ahead. This should be the Big Ten championship game, it and should. it's a shame it's not. And I think the next rematch, year we move the rematch more into should that. be the yeah. yeah, the rematch should be for the Big Ten title, and it's not so. Anybody that thinks I can't be complimentary of Ohio State, you guys did a great job. I think you're lacking on the quarterback play because for so long you've been spoiled as an organization, a team, a college that's always had a good quarterback. And um, right now you're kind of feeling the effects of that. Hopefully for you guys, he'll develop. But Michigan just getting it done, and they're not flashy and they're not, you know, real – there's not a lot of pizzazz to what they do. Mm-hmm. And and the funny thing is the whole sign-stealing nonsense that's gotten this whole thing started. Yeah. I think you could have every signal from Michigan, and they're still going to beat you. Yeah, I, I think, obviously, if... Because they're not creative. That's what I'm saying, Terry. It's right. it's very basic offense. It's very basic what they do. Are they going right or are they, they going do. left? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's very basic. Or at least but, it has been without Harbaugh as the head out on the sideline, you know? I don't think there's a major impact on the actual game results. But I think if you micro-evaluate this, if that's a word, and you're looking at a particular play and you know what's coming as opposed to it could be one of these ten things, obviously that helps. I don't think in the long run it helped that a tremendous amount with the results. But I think all this is really based on the mechanism for gaining that information was different than what we accept as something that you do. So that's why we're going down that road. It is what it is. We'll see what happens. And we've talked about it. They've talked about it. It might be time to have the the headset in the inside the helmet, you know, so. No reason not to. It's kind of like baseball. Um they're kind of going to robot umps in some places. People hate it, but it's like, you know, you want Angel Hernandez in there calling these games? You know, I, I don't Whatever. Yeah. I mean, and like you say, it's kind of a hard, a hard thing. So. All right. So let's move on to Iowa, Nebraska, because Iowa is who uh, Michigan's going to face in the Big Ten Championship. Like you said, we wish it was the two teams that played this weekend, but nope, and your Cornhuskers had an opportunity here 
And I do see the turnovers were a little bit lopsided there. Uh, not a lot of a running game for Nebraska. I did not watch this game very closely. What did you see in this game? I watched it, unfortunately, very closely, as normal. Uh, no, I'm kidding. This is what I saw. Um, so, Nebraska has the number one offense in the Big Ten, rushing. Iowa shut that down. They took that away. Yeah. That matters because you're forcing you're forcing a turnover prone team into a passing situation. So that was a really good defensive strategy by Iowa. Secondly, Nebraska blocked two field goals in this game. They didn't block the third. They didn't block the one at the end of the game with time expiring that mattered. So that's how the game ended was by a field goal with the clock expiring. Um. Chubba Purdy threw an interception, two fumbles, five penalties for 40 yards. Now, I'm going to stop right there. Nebraska, since, well, under the Osborne era, was one of the least penalized teams. Bo Pelini era, they creeped up. But Riley and Frost, Nebraska was finishing 125, 120, 130. There's 133 teams in the league. So the penalties were out of control. Mm -hmm. This year, this was five. They had three last week or four. Anyway, in the last five games combined, they haven't had 15 penalties. So that is the positive I have to take out of this. Because so much of what they were doing last year and the year before was shooting themselves in the foot before they ever got out of the way. Here's where... It's very difficult for me to watch Nebraska. 30 turnovers this year across 12 games. Two and a half per game. 30 turnovers. That is a lot. Especially for a team One, that tries to run. 26 touchdowns. They had more turnovers than touchdowns. It's a problem. Rules got to get it cleaned up. And I think he's got the right formula. I think they've got the right plan. But Tony White now is an X factor. Will he or will he not go to San Diego State or anywhere else? Because that was the firm that contacted him, reached out. Um, that's the defensive coordinator who, as we talked about multiple times this year, built the three three five, And it's worked. It's yeah. worked. Against every football team but Michigan, it has worked. Um, Michigan was just too good, and that's yeah. all there is to it. They were just too good of a football team. Um, but I'm really disappointed in the fact that they got 30 turnovers. If you want to be a running team and you want to play November football, you cannot fumble the ball. You cannot turn it over, and you know that – the basis of these teams, as we've talked about, is defense. Um, I mean, hell, Minnesota's got a decent defense. Indi in Illinois has got a decent defense. Indiana just fired their head coach, and they were put there for defense, you know? That's part of the reason um, why you try to run the ball, because there's supposed yeah. to be less of a chance to turn the ball over if you run the ball. But not when you – I mean, 30 turnovers is absolutely yeah. absurd. So that that's got to be, you know – for me, as a Nebraska fan, priority number one is retaining Tony White. Somehow, 
pay the man. We got the money, I promise. Nothing else matters in Nebraska, except right now volleyball, number one overall, number one overall in the tournament, although they did lose three straight to Wisconsin the other night, first loss of the season. But um, they, they're the number one overall seed. The Devaney Center will be rocking. All of that is going to be great for the volleyball team. The volleyball team that set the tone for the year by selling out the football stadium and 92,000 people showed up to watch a volleyball game. Impressive. Very, very impressive. So there's a lot to be happy for at the University of Nebraska, but from a team standpoint, I'd like to see them retain Tony White. Marcus Satterfield can go off into the pasture. I don't give a shit about him. <laughs> they need to make sure Chubba Purdy stays with the Cornhuskers. He's a junior, I believe, but he's been sit. He's sat two years. So um, they're talking about the transfer portal. Don't do that. Stay with us. You, you had good results. Um, I think Rule made the mistake of putting his eggs in the Jeff Sim basket, and mm-hmm. Sims turned the ball over eight times in the first two games. I mean that that's that's huge. It is. Uh, in both the Minnesota and the Colorado games, the ter- the turnovers ended up mattering, mattering, mattered, whatever it is, mattered. They mattered <laughs> anyway. So retain the quarterback, retain the DC, and for the duration of spring ball, let's have turnover drill every day in practice. Every day, mm-hmm. you run the ball till you can't possibly lose it, sort of thing. Because, again, as an old-school, long-time Nebraska football fan, do you know why the option worked so well, Terry? What's that? Tell me. They didn't fumble the ball. Do you know how well the option works if you turn the ball over? Not very well. This is what I will say about the 95 championship game. 1995, Nebraska comes in with both Frazier and Beringer. Got Makavica, some guy named Amon Green. You might have heard of him. He's a backup running back. They got Schlesinger as a fullback. They got another backup fullback named Joel Makavica. And they have an eye back um, by the name of uh, Lawrence Phillips. Maybe some guys you've heard of that know a thing or two about running the ball. Right. And, and that's made possible by the pipeline the offensive line of the Cornhuskers. Now, I say all this chung and cheek to say this. They turn the ball over three times against Miami's defense. A defense led by Warren Sapp and some guy named Ray Lewis. So, you know, I, I think those two did pretty pretty well for themselves. The irony of it all is Schlesinger, the fullback, hits the fullback dive for two touchdowns in the second half. And the Nebraska defense, of all things, ends the game and shuts down Miami's offense, giving Tom his first first national title. I say all that to say this. Schlesinger, Green, Lawrence, uh, Beringer, Frazier, they don't turn the ball over. They turn the ball over three times against that team. If Nebraska hadn't turned the ball over three times against Miami, it wouldn't have been twenty-seven or 24 to 17. It would have been 42 to 17, you know? Um because Nebraska's that good back in the day. And that defense of Charlie McBride's was ridiculous. So Matt Rule loves these traditions, as he calls them, the things I talk about. The option football, the the they have the Tom right. Osborne play, the fumble, fumble ruski, all that stuff. 
Right. You like all that stuff, Matt? Then this is what you need to do. You need to make sure your guys don't fumble the ball. Because Nebraska truly can be a running team. And if they can half-ass pass the ball at all, they could actually be very successful and somewhat dangerous to these other teams. I saw the preview of the 24 schedule, drinking the Kool-Aid already, Terry. There's no reason Nebraska can't be 6-0 and before the bye week. None. Because they got a little bit of a cupcake sort of looking schedule to start to start the year. Okay. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know that the SEC really knows the dates of everything for next year yet. I see the list of teams, and it sucks. Because, I mean, now we've added Oklahoma to the Auburn schedule, and we've got Alabama. And I don't know if they play Georgia next year. See, that's my fear that the Georgia rivalry goes away with this new thing. I've talked about that. Um, they may play them next year, but, oh, man, Texas and Oklahoma coming in, it's going to beef it up a lot. So yeah, why don't we I, move? Go ahead. I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. Like you, I'm optimistic. My team doesn't get to go bowling. They didn't play good enough to go bowling. I don't they make opportunities. They didn't take advantage of the opportunities. Well, here's the thing. And I'll close with this. The last thing Rule needs to figure out is how to finish. Minnesota, one score loss. Michigan State, one score loss. Maryland, one score loss. Iowa, one score loss. Wisconsin, one score loss. And every one of them was the last play of the game. So you've got to finish the game. You have to close. That's what he needs to be working on player development as far as I'm concerned. But we've got a ton of show left, and it's already 920. So, <laughs> Terry. Let's move along to the ACC. And let me tell you, while you were talking about Nebraska and their future, I'm, I was noticing a big snafu in my game notes. <laughs> it's Florida State, Florida did we, game. Did we mess up? Oh, I have entered the words, what the hell, next to the statistics that I got incorrect. Why don't you discover that real quick and see what I did? I don't know where I got these numbers from, but somehow I had three passing touchdowns, five rushing touchdowns, one punt return touchdown for Florida, who only had 15 points. So I don't know where I got all that crap from. Must have been late at night. But anyway, Florida State beats Florida 24-15. They were down by a point going into the fourth quarter. Uh, they didn't let Florida score again, and they scored 10, so they win by nine points. You know, they're struggling a little bit uh, without Travis in. Obviously, the passing game wasn't clicking all that much. They were playing a rivalry game away. You got to give them a in little the bit swamp. of credit there. Yeah, that's not an in easy place to play. Um, so, uh, you know, I still think Florida State's very good. They need to be ranked up there high, but it is a big loss for Travis to be gone. Um, I not, a, not a lot of yards in this game, either side. No, I think you saw a lot of vulnerability, and we talked about it last week, where this would be the game that we would, you know, I, I dropped Florida State. We talked about whether that was premature or not, you know. Yeah. This this is what I was afraid of, the game we saw this weekend. Um the offense didn't really click for two and a half quarters for Florida State. Yeah. And I don't know that you can call it clicking based on what we saw. Um, they played a bipolar Florida team. I don't know of any other way to say it. I know they're not mentally ill, but you understand what I'm saying. 
Right. What the hell Florida team are we going to see? The Jekyll and Hyde Florida team, you know? Yeah. This team trounces Tennessee. Loses to Missouri close. Gets beat by Kentucky in overtime. Arkansas. You know, all of the ups and downs. Arkansas. All the ups and downs we've seen of this Florida team. And they were playing balls out Saturday night against State. Well, I mean, um, we talk about Travis not being there, but Florida State had less than three yards of rushing attempt. I mean, they couldn't. It's it wasn't just a lack of a passing game. They weren't getting the uh, the rushing game going either. They just had two twenty four total. They were helped out by one interception by the Gators there. Um, so that helps. Um, well, and we sound like a couple SEC homers when we say it, but defense is built differently in the SEC. It really is. It's I mean, there's physical fronts, and I think they probably Florida saw a more yeah. physical defensive line than they have seen all year long. Florida State, excuse me. Yeah. Um, Clemson's going to play tough, don't get me wrong. They played LSU, but you and I were sitting there texting the LSU uh, A&M game. Nobody wanted to play defense in that one. And no. LSU about let A&M back into the damn game, you know, by not playing defense. Right. With an interim head coach, we'll get to that in a minute. But um, A lot of coaching stuff. A lot of coaching stuff. But I think... I think that uh, I think Florida State is vulnerable. I think Louisville can beat them. I don't know they will, but I think they can. The bad news for Florida State is if Louisville doesn't beat you, you're going to draw Michigan, Georgia, Alabama, if all of the stars fall right, Oregon, whoever, and you're going to play a much more physical team than you're used to playing. And I think that really presents problems down the road for Florida State because Travis is the game changer. And without him, this team does not look like the 11-0 Florida Seminoles. That's right, but they are 12-0 and now. Uh, we got to respect that. Uh, we're going to see what happens in the championship games. Obviously, the biggest impact is going to be their game against Louisville. But um, – they win their end. I don't. I don't think. Yeah, you can, I don't. Right. I don't think you can deny them. I think. I think if they, that. if they win, they're in. Even with the backup quarterback. Yeah, which we're going to get to. I know we'll get to, to that. It. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't we transition to Kentucky, Louisville? Um, and when I said most of the favorites won, this was the game I had in mind because Louisville did not win. You know, they had, which we've talked about this with several teams, Georgia, Alabama, Kentucky against Louisville here, Florida State against Florida, teams that knew going into the final week that they had clinched a spot in their conference championship. Maybe it was a letdown, but Kentucky, you know, they've fallen off the second half of the season, but they're still pretty dang good. Mark Stoops has them coached up, and um, they pulled it out at the end, 17 points in the fourth quarter to win 38-31. And Louisville had a lot more yards than Kentucky did, but they also turned the ball over three times, and, you yep. know, that'll make up for a lot of yardage there. You don't win football games that way. You certainly don't. Um, I mean, 403 to 289, you know, 23 yeah. minutes time of possession to 36. Louisville owned the ball 
You know, they owned the ball. 23 first downs, 9 for 17 on third, 3 for 4 on fourth down for Louisville. So it's not like they had a piss-poor performance by any means, even though Peyton Thorne is not the Louisville quarterback, <laughs> which is Hey, I'm deleting that section. That is like hilarious. I said, it was late at night. Oh my goodness! That's why I send it Terry, to you early? Oh, you got to point it out on the show. Him. You won't. You won't tell yeah. me. Oh, I, I noticed that. Yeah, I see how it is. Mm. <laughs> well, you you act like I read the notes before we're on the air, buddy. Um, we're on the air. Yeah, we're recording. We're recording live, pal. We're live, pal. <laughs> Listen, I think Louisville was a good football team. I just think they ran into a, a very well coached, disciplined football team by somebody who may or may not have been the A&M head coach for 60 seconds. Um, <laughs> that annoys Terry. So, so apparently there's a rant from Terry here. Some point today, we're getting a rant from Terry about the damn A&M job. So, it is so going to be excellent. I've been hearing a lot of talk about this. Apparently there's a group of women in Kentucky named like Kentucky Hot or something. I'll have to look it up. But They were reporting um, – that Stoops actually touched down with a plane in College Station and got there, and they told him when he got there that they were not hiring him. You know, these are all rumors. We probably won't ever know the the real deal there. Um, but as of today, uh, Mark Stoops is the coach of Kentucky. Um, my opinion, uh, some fan bases think a little bit much of themselves. I know that Texas A&M has a lot of money. But what have they won in recent years at all? Yeah. And, and we'll get to that the during the Yeah. We'll get to that during the coaching discussion, I guess, if you want to keep it formatted. Um <laughs> but you know the format? That, I thought you didn't look at it until we I didn't look talking. at it, but I saw that you had a whole section on where the coaching jobs are. So we're gonna I will wait patiently for that part of the discussion. All I know is I'm setting our fans up for a Terry rant. Because Terry is upset about A and M, and it is oh, hilarious. Not to They're not my team, even though I am wearing their colors tonight. Apparently, yeah, he's got the he's got the he's got the red on tonight, guys. And this is not the Roll Tide red either. No, it's, not uh, red. It's maroon. I'm yeah, don't maroon. call this red. But yeah, yeah Kentucky. They, um, you know, they they were last few weeks they've fallen off. They started the season pretty well. Um, but you know, big win against Louisville. They're really showing Louisville who the team in Kentucky is, and the Wildcats continue to be that. Doesn't matter yeah, still how many a, games Louisville wins, and they're still a great defensive team. They can run the ball some. They force the turnovers when they need to. Um, Kentucky got drummed by Alabama. Kentucky got drummed by Georgia. Kentucky, you know, has not looked that good in some of these football games. But they're still in the football game a lot of times. That's the thing you got to be careful of with a well-seasoned coach like Mark Stoops is that he knows how to win, and he knows situational football. And I don't think that Louisville – and I'm not saying Brom doesn't know situational football, but Stoops has been in some big games, you know, whereas Brom was at Purdue – and the big game he was in, he got drummed in last year by Michigan, you know. Um, so it's not meant to be disrespectful to Louisville, but they better make a couple of adjustments, particularly the way Florida State's defense stepped up against the Gators. 
they better be ready to protect that quarterback come Saturday night in Charlotte because the Seminoles want that spot in the playoff. And the only thing standing between them and that spot is Louisville. So regardless of whether I think Louisville is a team worthy of that or or Florida State rather, or if maybe Oregon or Washington are better football teams than Florida State without Travis, doesn't matter. They win 12 games, they get number 13, and they're in. And there's there's no way to deny Florida State. Right. You can't do And it. they got the resume. They got a resume. They beat so some you, teams. So you say Louisville didn't play all that well. Do you know who did play pretty well? The Texas Longhorns. Out of nowhere, they've been struggling. We've been they've been hearing all this crap about, you know, we don't care if you beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa by two scores at the beginning of the season. You've gotten soft. They weren't soft this week. 57 to 7. Listen to this. One passing touchdown, three rushing touchdowns, a kickoff return for a touchdown, and a pick six. Everybody was getting in on the points this week for the Texas Longhorns. Yeah, and the thing is that, I mean, like you say, 57 to 7 against a very, very capable offensive team like Texas Tech. Yeah. That, uh, we saw early Oregon have trouble with, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Wasn't they played that a pretty close game with Texas pretty Tech. Close That's game. been the, probably the it closest was game all year that they've won. Yeah. Yeah. But I think Texas Tech, always known for that, but three interceptions isn't going to get the job done. Um, only 14 first downs, only 198 yards out of an right. air raid offense. That is huge. And Texas rolled. But you know what? Starkeesian, the motivator, the coach, the former USC head coach, former Washington head coach, now the head coach of Texas, Man, the, rehabilita- the rehabilitated Stark <laughs> from the Alabama Rehabilitation Program, Ooh, yeah. who, by the way, was the offensive coordinator in that 20 season that had all those guys on it. Pretty, pretty good grouping, if you ask me, Terry. Uh, roll Tide. But anyway, Stark had him ready to play. This is the Texas team that everybody expected to see week after week after week. This is the team that's been missing. This is the team that beat Alabama. This team. Not the team that that got taken to overtime. Not the team that lost to Kansas. This team is the one that we've been waiting on. Unfortunately, they play in the Big 12. No, they lost to Oklahoma. That's right. Excuse me. Kansas Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and then lost to Oklahoma State at Bedlam. So we'll get to them. In a Oklahoma would Oklahoma is out. Oklahoma State is in the Big Twelve championship game, and Mike Gundy would love nothing more than oh, to send Texas packing because he already beat Oklahoma at Bedlam. That's right. And he would love nothing more than to be the Big Twelve champion in a really up and down year for the man. As um, both of those teams leave to go to the SEC, what a huge statement that would be. Be huge for him. And Gundy's 19 years at Oklahoma State as the head football coach. 19 years since Les Miles left Oklahoma, left Stillwater, I guess it was. Um, and he's been a man the whole time. A man the whole time. And you come in him and his mullet and his shades, okay? But uh, I'm just jealous of the hair. 
I, I you really are. It's terrible, Terry. <laughs> uh, but no, seriously, Texas played really, really well. I don't do. know that it's gonna. I don't know that it's gonna be enough though. Texas is gonna have to beat Oklahoma State convincingly, not close, and then they need help. Yeah, they need Alabama to beat Georgia. They need Oregon to beat Washington. They need the chaos. Chaos favors Texas because otherwise the Big 12 is going to be number five left out of the picture altogether. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, this is the one where I was saying last week, all the other teams I feel like they have, and maybe this is disrespect for Oklahoma State, but I really felt like the other teams had games ahead of them that could really help them prove their point. I didn't feel like Texas had that in front of them. Now, that's a little bit of disrespect for Oklahoma State, but based on records and what's happened this year, that's kind of where the Big 12 falls. You know, Michigan, obviously, they're playing Iowa. They're not going to prove a lot of points against Iowa. So, you know, I'll count that one too, but they're already up there. You know, they're undefeated. They're there. And they're not fighting for a slot. Right, exactly. But with Texas fighting for a slot, they're the one team that um and like you said florida state with them being undefeated they're not at this level that texas is fighting for that fourth position florida state's there as long as they win texas has got to show something against a team that is not seen as one of those top teams that's gonna be tough they need some chaos to happen it could happen we've seen some weird stuff normally it benefits alabama We'll see if it happens this year. But why don't we talk about the man and what his team did this week? Double overtime. Oklahoma State beats BYU 40-34. to Halftime score was 24-6 BYU, and the Cowboys stormed back. The man was leading the charge. Double overtime, 40-34. to And they're headed to the championship game against the Texas Longhorns. Yeah, so for the purposes of this show, we're a bunch of wrestling fans that have a bunch of wrestling fans listen to this show. Some people would say the man is Ric Flair. Well, no, he's the Crypt Keeper these days. For the purposes of this show, the man is Mike Gundy, in case you have not forgotten. Well, he's at least a and, man. Uh, he's a man. That's right. So he is a man, not Becky Lynch, <laughs> the man, or Ric Flair, the man, but uh, a man. And look, who had 24 to 6 down to BYU on the bingo card for this weekend? I thought no. Oklahoma State would I thought they'd roll and this would be, you know, pretty much a formality for them to get into the to the title game as long as Texas didn't lose, but um or I guess Texas could lose, it was fine. They had to win. Oklahoma State had to win and they were in. Um I don't know, Terry. I think that this is a very dangerous matchup. Mm-hmm. because Oklahoma's inconsistent as hell. I mean, they're as inconsistent as any team we talk about on a regular they basis. Are. They've lost games they should have won. They've won games that were like, well, you probably shouldn't have beat Oklahoma the way you guys played, but they never look back at Bedlam, you know? That right. is a really good football team that showed up against Oklahoma. I don't know that it we're is. seeing that consistently. If Texas imposes their will physically, Oklahoma State's going to have a long day. They're going to have a really long day. 
They've got Ollie Gordon. He had 166 yards and five touchdowns this week. Obviously, they played double overtime, so that helps. But, you know, a very good running back. Um, Making a case for the Heismans, they say. Yeah, and normally that helps you with your consistency. But it's another one of those things where, like, same thing we talk about with Nebraska, Running the ball is supposed to keep you from turning the ball over, and that hasn't happened for Nebraska. Running the ball that well doesn't seem to equate to wins for Oklahoma State. This week it did, but it took double overtime against a 5-7 and seven BYU team. Right, and a very gamey BYU team, knowing what was at yeah. stake for Oklahoma State. So uh, really appreciate the effort from BYU. Just didn't have enough in the gas tank. Unfortunately, too, like you said, Terry – they couldn't close. You got a twenty-four to six lead, and you couldn't close it down. You know that's a that's a big deal. So my my thought process is this for this game: Oklahoma State can be the ultimate spoiler and send Texas packing. And we both know Mike Gundy's got that all over the whiteboard, the messages, the text messages, the in-game speech, whatever. Gundy knows. That he beat Oklahoma already, he's got the chance to beat Texas and send them both to the SEC with L's and be the Big 12 champion. That matters to him. I think monetarily it matters six figures or more. So that there is some incentive there for them to win. Stark, on the other hand, has a lot more to lose by losing this football game. He's going to lose the opportunity to even be in the playoff. So he they've got to win. They got to win big. And I'm talking about the Texas team in burnt orange. They've got to win big. They got to do what they did to Texas Tech. Um, because you and I talked about it after the Oklahoma game. And and I, I mean, I get it that Texas played Kansas and they played Kansas State. And you could say, well, those are top 25 wins. Okay. Yeah, they are. But from a competitive standpoint, a real football game, you and I talked about how the Red River shootout was must see television. Mm-hmm. And we've had, thankfully, a lot of those games this year. We have from the from the Auburn and and Alabama game, Georgia and uh, uh, Auburn. But Georgia Georgia played somebody that was a really good game, and now I can't think of who it was. Ole Miss. Um, might have, well no they they blew Ole Miss's doors off. Oh, uh, thinking um, Alabama Ole Miss, yeah. <laughs> Alabama Ole Miss. The Egg Bowl was good this weekend, though. The Nebraska Iowa game was good this weekend. Um, you know, we're we're gonna get there, but Washington Washington State was a good football game. So my point Surprise. is, there's been a lot of good football. But we said it. We said it at the conclusion when Texas lost that game to Oklahoma. There's not a lot left for either team to put a resume together. We weren't being rude. We were being honest about what we saw in front of them. And then, like, you know, Texas has the win over Kansas State. Great. They lost to Iowa State this weekend. So I think, I think Texas's it, best chance, and we, we kind of expected it at the time, was if Oklahoma continued and they did not have a loss and they met up with Texas again in the Big 12 championship and Texas avenged their loss to the only team that beat them, that's a lot better story than having to go against Oklahoma State and beat them bad enough for it to matter. Yep. And, again, they're going to need help. Washington's going to have to stumble. Georgia's going to have to stumble. Michigan's going to have to stumble. Florida State's going to have to stumble. Texas needs help to get in the playoff. Um, 
And we get yep. to play. We get to talk about all these scenarios and be the Monday morning quarterbacks, <laughs> even though I never played the position. But you know, we get to we get to do that, and that's cool. But Texas has to win, win big, and that's that's. I mean, I don't even know where the game is. Is is it at the Cotton Bowl or I forget where they have? No, I started no, no, to put that on Vegas. the notes. That's the Pac-12. The Pac-12's in Vegas. Pac-12's in Vegas. Yeah, it might be at the uh, Cotton Bowl. I don't know. We'll. I'll have to look. It I, up. I doesn't I matter. It doesn't matter. On there, yeah. Hell, it could be an Arrowhead for all that matters. I don't know. But um, uh, bottom line is, I think I think that Texas Oklahoma State has the real potential to be a very good football game, and we'll get there when we pick the scores. But Texas Texas knows what they have to do, and Gundy can win by one, and accomplish all he needs to accomplish by doing so. Is it in Dallas? It might be. I don't know. The Big Twelve. There's somebody screaming at us like, "You idiots! You should know this." But you know, it might be in Jerry's world. Honestly, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm saying. Is it? um, I think you're correct. I think it's in Dallas. Yeah, I'll look it up while we talk. Go ahead. So let's shift over a little bit, pick up the pace a little bit. And you mentioned it a minute ago. Washington State at Washington. Uh, Washington. you know, they've struggled lately. They only had 306 offensive yards. Washington wins 24-21. Um, you know, we talk about – we've talked first half of the season about how great Penix was, but that has not shown up in a while. 204 passing yards here. Um, I don't know. I mean, they've lost something the second half of the season. Uh, and obviously they're still undefeated. You got to give them respect for that. But I think most people are expecting the Oregon win in the championship game here. But Washington, to their credit, they are twelve and zero. They beat uh, Washington State, their rival. Which you know I stated last week, the Pac-12 has the best bottom of the conference, if there is such a thing. Uh, Washington State, I believe, is just above Colorado. And um, they've played some decent games against some people. Not to give Washington too much credit for this three-point win at home, but um, this is not the same as playing Vanderbilt. You know, that's not what this is. But Washington's kind of limping into the finish line for the season here. They've done just enough to win yet another ball game. And uh, next week's going to be a test. Are they going to be good enough to beat a very good Oregon team? Or is it going to come back on them really harshly? I don't know. I watched this. I watched quite a bit of this game. Uh, Washington was state was all over Washington defensively. Yeah. A lot, a lot of speed, a lot of looks, a lot of those sort of things. Um, and, And yeah, Penix got his throws and, and all that sort of stuff. But this is not a dominant Washington football team. This is a team that gets bounced in the semifinals of the of the of the playoff if they make it that far. Uh, I don't believe I'm like I'm in the majority. I think Oregon wins this football game in Las Vegas this week, Friday night. By the way, folks, eight o'clock start time to appease Coach Dion. Um, but uh, that's Eastern, <laughs> so for those of you playing along at home. But um, in all seriousness, not to deviate from the point, because like you said, Terry, we're going to pick up the pace. Washington State. Good football team, but should not by 
any account play with the number four team in the country. And they gave Washington all that they wanted. And it took Washington's last effort field goal to win that football game. So um, Washington's in trouble. Washington is in trouble. They are the USC of the early 2000s. Just winning it, you know, the heart attack, the cardiac kids, whatever you want to call them. I think yep. that was what they used to call the Atlanta Braves or whatever. But um, Washington's going to lose, and they're going to lose to the Heisman Trophy winner, Bo Nix, and a young, ambitious coach in Dan Lanning, mm -hmm. and a team that actually plays defense. And we'll get there, but Oregon should have beat them the first time. We'll beat them the second time. And you can clip that for our TikTok. <laughs> if I have enough time to do a clip this week, I didn't do one last week because of Thanksgiving. I just couldn't squeeze it in because it takes a little bit of time. I've got to listen to what good points we made. It's hard to find good points sometimes, you know? Anyway. It depends so on how much coffee I've had before <laughs> the roll tide start. I'll say let's move on to Oregon State, Oregon. Oregon State is a good team. They've been in the Woo. top 10 in, in parts of this season. They've lingered around 11 to 15 in the AP poll. I'm not sure where they were coming into this one. Obviously, we don't go to 11 Nine. to 15, so I don't have them I listed think. anywhere. But Oregon, 31-7 and um, 480 yards of offense, 367 yards in the air. Um, Taz Johnson with 137 receiving yards. Troy Franklin had 128 and a touchdown. You know, Bo Nix, 398 total yards of offense and three touchdowns. You know, I know that um, the argument, I think there's two guys, two guys that have really any kind of say in who's winning this Heisman. One of them we didn't talk about because his team keeps losing games. but uh, And that's Daniels from LSU. But um, Bo Nix, um, they got a full head of steam here, and they're targeting Washington this weekend on Friday, like you said. And uh, this is a very well-rounded team. We said it for a long time, and um, they're not stumbling. Oregon State's a good team, and, you know, it wasn't close. Completely ineffective, everything Oregon State did. And I don't know, um, they didn't make the uh, coaching change announcement till the following day. But right. the president of Oregon, Oregon State University came out, or the athletic director, and said, our priority is keeping Jonathan Smith. Now Jonathan Smith is the head coach of Michigan State. So yeah. apparently that, that, didn't fall, that didn't go through. So, you know, you had that buzz going on before the game started. No distractions whatsoever. For Dan Lanning and Eugene Oregon. Um, Bo Nix, best quarterback in the game. Penix was very, very close. You were, if I'm not mistaken, sir, and this isn't an accusation or a criticism, cautious in talking about Bo Nix, probably because of the Auburn experience. Penix looked really good those first six weeks. Um, but Bo Nix is fucking lit the match. And he is all gasoline. I mean, he is pedal to the metal, and the man delivers. Not talking about a man. We're talking about Bo Nix here. But he he has delivered uh, time and again for Oregon. 
I think having Dan Lanning as a coach, that enthusiasm that he brings, um, the announcers this weekend criticized the way Oregon plays. You know, Bo Nix can be a little emotional. Um, his defensive linemen get a little emotional. Of course, Dan Lanning can be very emotional. I think there's a place for that in football. I think there's a place for well-channeled emotions. And the well-channeled emotion I'm speaking of in this time is a loss because Dan Lanning called for two plays on fourth down in the game against Washington rather than kicking field goals. And they lose by three in Seattle when the kicker misses the field goal to send it to overtime at the end of the game. But um, they have gotten better. And where it seems like Washington is hit their peak in Seattle against Oregon six weeks ago, Oregon has just gotten better and better and better. Bo Nix has embraced that he is the leader of this football team. It's his football team. There's no question that he leads the Ducks. Um, Dan Lanning isn't 40 years old and is looking to get himself into a playoff spot. Now, again, he's going to need help. I think but so. But Oregon wins this game in Las Oregon wins this game in Las Vegas Friday night, and I think they win big. Yeah, I think the concern for me, um, I expect Oregon to win also. But then you've got no undefeated Pac-12 champion, and I think that's going to be a problem for them because I don't think you know I talked about the bottom of the Pac-12 being the best, but they pay for it when you start going toward the top. And the big games that every one of these teams have on their resume are against each other. You know, uh, the two games mm-hmm. that you think of outside are, um, you know, Washington, well, I guess three, if you want to count Michigan State. But we see where Michigan State is. You know, that that's not really a tough Power 5 opponent. Um, you know, Arizona got beat by Mississippi State. Um, Oregon – probably had one of their biggest struggles against Texas Tech. And that was obviously earlier in the season, and they've gotten better since then. Um, Utah with a big win against Florida. I don't know if that's the biggest one. You can't tell with Florida, right? So um, I don't know how much the Pac-12's proven outside of conference because that's the difficulty with so many teams – the big wins are against each other. Um, is it going to be hard for Oregon as a one-loss Pac-12 champion to to put their case out there for anybody to listen to it? I think it's going to be hard. I think they need help. I don't know what kind of help, but they're going to need a Louisville win over Florida State, Alabama win over Georgia, and then if Alabama beats Georgia, then what? Do you assume that they go right. above Alabama? I don't know that you can do that. Um, so I think it's going to be difficult. I think there's going to be some – they need multiple things to happen. And I picked Oregon to win the conference. I'm pretty confident in that. But the Pac-12 versus the rest of the country, I just don't see it being strong enough. Uh, unless Washington beats Oregon like we don't expect to happen, I would think they would go. I just don't know if Oregon's got enough to um, to push them in there. 
Yeah, I think the uh, the sad thing is is Oregon's probably the fourth best team in the country. Yeah. But and there are people that disagree questions. with me. They're our friend. They disagree mm -hmm. with me. It's okay. I don't care. <laughs> um, but I mean, I think you've got Michigan and you've got Georgia. Then you've got Florida State and Washington. However, you want to deal with that with the injury to Travis at Florida State and Washington. No defense, slowing down. And then, you know, in a lot of rankings, you have Ohio State and or Oregon. Um, yeah. I put Oregon I put Oregon as the three team in the country in front of two undefeated teams. Right. Actually, I think I put them as a four team this week because I put Florida State first, but or third, but I don't think Washington's a better football team than Oregon. And Washington has the uh, ability to prove me wrong Friday night. But And the win was. I, I mean, it was a home game for Washington by three points. And that's pretty much a yeah. push. And I, and I think there's a couple decisions that Dan Lanning would take back. I absolutely yeah. think he kicks those two field goals. And the game, then it doesn't matter. But um, I think Oregon... And we've talked about it, Terry. We talked about it with Alabama. We've seen it with Georgia. Florida State, we cannot say it about because Travis is out. But these teams that got better and better and better as the season has progressed, I put Alabama in that category. I put Oregon in that category. I don't think I put Michigan in that category. But they haven't lost. Like, they haven't looked bad at all hasn't looked in danger at all to anybody. Even that Ohio State game this weekend. Yeah. Michigan never really felt like they were out of control. Mm -hmm. Okay, they scored. Now it's our turn. You know, and here they come and they they do their thing. Um, but there are teams that have improved. Then there are teams that fell off. Talk about the Pac-12. USC, number five in the country at one point, completely fell off. Washington yep. State. Top 15 team at one point, completely. Colorado, Coach Prime. And and the unfortunate thing for Oregon and Washington, regardless of who wins, we're talking about their conference and the yeah. way these teams have just nosedived, you know. Um, but I think Oregon's a good enough football team. I think they need help, though. They got to have Florida State they lose. They yeah. they may get in. They may actually they don't because if they beat Washington, I think they're in. I think they're in if they beat Washington. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think they I don't necessarily the buy into that. I got to see the other stuff. I just I don't know. <laughs> I think there's going to be logical again. God, there he goes. I, I think people. it's kind of like you. you know I talk about the SEC West being Alabama and then a gob of teams. I think we got a gob of teams at that second level here. I think we've got. Um, couple of teams up top that are obvious. And then I think we got a couple you of just, undefeated You just teams. like to ruin all my fun, you being this logical person. <laughs> I, it annoys me. You, you, you're ruining my fun, Terry. If, if Oregon wins against Washington, they're in. Quack, 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 quack. I would like to see it. We'll see what happens. Um, why don't and we I run think down the best our top one team? Lost team in the country. I'll end with that. I yeah. think Oregon's the best one lost team in the country. And I'm an Alabama fan. So there you go. <laughs> so let's Roll run time. down the rankings for this week pretty quickly. I'll just tell you the the ranking, the record, uh, what they did this week, and if they play next week, because some of them don't. So our number one team is Michigan, 
At 12 and 0, they had that win against Ohio State this week, and they face the Big Ten West champions, Iowa, in what should be a route. Timeout. I know you said you want to do it quick, but I'm ruining this for you. <laughs> Iowa is the worst 10 and 2 team in the history of college football. They suck. They're awful. Go Big Blue, number two, because I told you I'd explain myself, and I, I guess we've gotten way out on time tonight. It's okay. I, I only we're work good. tomorrow. But hey, whatever. we're good, man. So do you. Uh, I'm just fucking with you, Terry. But uh, um, I do work tomorrow, though, because I'm going on to, out of town Friday. But the um, reason I put Michigan above uh, Georgia this week, I don't know what your thought process is. Here's my thought. Better quality win. Georgia yeah. Tech should never have been in the game with Georgia, really. And I get it. You're already in the conference championship. This is a, quote, rivalry game. I don't really think Georgia-Georgia Tech is a rivalry game. I think you have to go way back for it to ever even matter. Like you, I think it's better if it's Alabama-Georgia, Auburn-Georgia, Ole Miss-Georgia, Tennessee-Georgia, right? whoever – that's the game at the end of the year. I think Auburn-Georgia Tech is probably more play. of a historical rival than Georgia-Georgia Tech, honestly. But Yeah, that's but you get do. what I'm saying. I think, you know, yeah. So, anyway, I think the quality win, though, at home for yeah. Michigan was just better. They played a much better football team than Georgia did. And that's logical. So, as far as I'm concerned, teams are fairly even. Yeah. I'm going to give this week's ranking to Michigan. I think they deserved it. So, um, but... Iowa, worst 10-2 and two team in the country, the league, the history of the NCAA. They do not deserve 10 wins. Their offensive coordinator is a lame duck. They fired his ass. They keep hitting the under every single week because they're that tragic on offense. And Michigan is going to roll. Now, sir. So, on so I don't know if I would rather see Iowa play Ole Miss in a bowl game. That seems pretty intriguing. Or like somebody like Liberty. That would be interesting. Ooh. Ooh. I think Ole Miss would eventually get by with something, though. Because Lane's yeah. got not got a terrible defense, but I think that they'd finally get something over on Iowa because Iowa doesn't see the passing game that Lib Liberty, that Ole Miss has every single week, you know? Yeah. And by the way, before we move forward, because I sent a text message to you, I know I keep saying that. Ten wins for big game lane. The two losses are to the two best teams in the SEC. They are. Yeah. And who the fuck's going to replace Lane Kiffin at Oxford? Two out of three years, ten win seasons. Guess what, Terry? Ask me how many ten win seasons there have been at Ole Miss. Not a lot. How many? Two. Kiffin owns them both. <laughs> Was that balloons so, that I saw? If, I, I don't know. I said two. Kiffin owns them both, and it looked like it, didn't it? That's crazy. Uh, what's going on with my background? Terry's laughing. He's he's he's. Drunk. I don't know. Uh, it's like when I told you happy birthday in the text earlier. Balloons started flying. Balloons started. Wow. Shooting, yeah. I don't so, know what happened so there. Any, anyway, though, we joke about it because we're going to get to these coaching changes because I know we've been going a while. But big lane, big game lane, as you like to call him. He can't win the big one, big one, but they'd be dumb to think they can find someone get them better than 10 wins at Oxford. I'm serious. I, I mean, I 100% believe that. Um, you got to know your place. Man. Just keep him. Yeah. 
keep him there, you know? Hope that he has and, that and one look, season. I mean, that's what you have to he, do. Yep. Yeah. And I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. He's got that chance, you know, that, yeah. that one, one time the magic hits just right. Hell, exactly. Hugh Freeze did it at Ole Miss. He beat Alabama. Twice. Two years in a row. So, yep. And that doesn't happen. So, or not very well, often. Let's quickly anyway. roll through the top 10, like we said we were doing. So, like I said, You're number one, quick- Michigan. <laughs> number two is Georgia at 12 and 0. Um, that kind of um, lackluster win against Georgia Tech, and they play against Alabama this weekend in the SEC Championship in Atlanta. Number three, Florida State continues to win, even without Jordan Travis. They beat Florida this weekend, so a team with a pulse. Hadn't said that in a while. They've got Louisville. We don't know what's coming there. That's for the ACC championship. Ohio State drops to number four after the loss to Michigan. They are 11-1. They do not play anywhere this weekend. Number five, Oregon, also 11-1. They beat Oregon State this weekend, and they've got this rematch against Washington coming up. Washington is number six in our poll, right below Oregon, so that should be number five, number six for that game. Washington is 12-0. They beat Washington State this week, and they've got that um, Pac-12 championship against Oregon um, coming up. Alabama comes in at seven and eleven and one. Um, I think they won this weekend. I can't really remember who did they play. Anyway, they beat Auburn with a ridiculous play at the end to win the Iron Bowl. Congratulations to them, and they've got this matchup with Georgia this weekend. Texas at number eight who looked better than a number eight team this weekend, but there's a lot of teams ahead of them. Let's see what they do this weekend against Oklahoma State uh, for the Big 12 championship. Penn State at number nine at 10-2 and after beating Michigan State and just drilling them. Um, And Missouri wraps up the top 10. Uh, They are also 10-2, and and they beat Arkansas. Let's move on to coaches. Here is the list that I put together, and I'm sure that all of my information is incorrect now because this thing's moving quickly. Starting in the Mountain West, Brady Hoke, um, what I'm understanding is kind of a forced retirement for him. Not a, not a firing, but a forced retirement. Uh, Boise State has fired Andy Avalos. New Mexico has fired Danny Gonzalez. Uh, let's... Let's look to see if we can do some more of the smaller conferences before we get to the big guy. Conference USA, UTEP fired Dana Dimmel. The Sun Belt, good old Terry Bowden gets fired again, this time from um, Louisiana Monroe. Uh, Now let's talk to the Power Five. Big 12, Houston fires Dana Holgerson. ACC, we've talked about this already on the show, I think. But uh, Dino Babers was fired. It wasn't recently. I think it was last week Syracuse fired him. And uh, Duke, not a firing. Mike Elko has left Duke to take the Texas A&M job. That's because Jimbo Fisher was fired and handed a an enormous amount of money. And Mississippi State also fired Zach Arnett. That's the other SEC firing. Uh, let's see what else we got. Big 10, Indiana fired Tom Allen. 
what have I missed? Pac-12, Jonathan Smith left Oregon State for the Michigan State job. I did not even list the Michigan State job because that was decades ago, it feels like. But um, here's the one thing I want to talk about here. And I know there's several things we could talk about, some real ridiculous rumors like Indiana is going to hire John Gruden. I mean, yeah, they're not. I don't see that happening. But um, Oregon State. $20 million buyout, though. Before you get too far, Terry, $20 million buyout for Indiana. For Indiana. Third largest in history. Third largest, twenty million. Yes. He's That's behind right. Gus, but barely. He's behind Gus, yes. Ah. So here's so my deal in the Pac twelve, you know, the Pac twelve people are saying it's going away, but it's not really going away. Um, Oregon State and Washington State still kind of own the rights to the Pac twelve. This thing went to court a few weeks ago. And they won the rights to ownership of the Pac-12 from everybody that decided to leave. Um, We're referring to this as the two-pac, two-pac, if you want to call it that, because there's two teams left. But um, my understanding is they have um, talked to the Mountain West, and they're going to kind of do the Notre Dame thing, where Notre Dame has this agreement with the ACC to get in on their schedule, but they're not really part of the conference. My understanding is Oregon State and Washington State are going to do that um, and create a schedule against the Mountain West. Whether they call one of their teams champion, I have no clue. I don't know how they're going to treat the Pac-12 legacy moving forward. I don't know if there's eventually going to be a combination of the Mountain West and Pac-12 to create a new Pac-12. A lot of options here. But with all that happening, Oregon State's in a bad spot because that's suddenly not all that attractive of a job compared to where it was up until everybody left the conference. And um, now you're without a coach. So I don't know. That's tough. And use the term coach is because he took his assistants with him. He's basically rebuilt his Michigan State team with his Oregon State team. And the reports are, it seems like there's a lot of heartburn. The president or athletic director, as I mentioned earlier, came out and said before the Oregon game that the biggest priority was re-signing Jonathan Smith, was retaining him. Right. 24 hours later, he's the head coach of Michigan State. One thing we know about Michigan State is they got more money than Adam. They they don't know what to do with it all. They, um, ironically enough, part of the reason they can hire Jonathan Smith at a premium, I'm sure. I didn't see what his contract was worth yet, is because Mel Tucker got fired with cause, and that's eighty million dollars that they don't have to pay. Um, and they can go ahead and adjudicate that all they want in court, but Mel Tucker loses. All the evidence they have proving that he did what they think he did, I mean, it's a lost cause for him to fight it. But that's $80 million that they don't have to pay. What Michigan State, in my opinion, is looking for is the D'Antoni end of the D'Antoni years were a little bit marred in controversy. 
obviously this Mel Tucker thing piggybacks right off of the gymnastics scandal, which is horrible. More sexual abuse and all this other stuff. Oh yeah. They need a they need a face to rebuild Michigan State's image. And Jonathan Smith is a program builder. And he's got I a baby face. He looks like he's twelve or something. And I bet you that he gets paid big yeah. time for this job. Because it's as much of a PR job and a repair job as it is going to be yes. the head coach of the Michigan State Spartans. And they're going to um, have to have some patience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they because cannot they are be expecting not... a bowl game next mm -hmm. year. I mean, mm -hmm. they have got to come in realizing where they've been. This is the second sex scandal, sex scandal yep. at Michigan State. They have and got it's huge, to, and yeah. and you can't under you cannot you cannot understate how huge that stigma is on the university as a whole. Absolutely, I mean, look at Penn State and all yep. the crap they went through. I mean, that is they had um, to bring Bill O'Brien in, and one of the reasons they hired James Franklin is again, he was a hard nosed, hardcore organizer, but also a very demanding running a clean school clean program mm -hmm. we're not going to have this bullshit going on here that was what they expected from both franklin and o'brien of course o'brien goes to the nfl but franklin to his credit has he's not lost games and he's rebuilt right. the image the problem is the man who allowed all the sex offenses at penn state to occur won multiple national championships Oh yeah, and they didn't. James they Franklin didn't fire hasn't coach for a long time. James Franklin hasn't beat Michigan or Ohio State, right? So, so that's the ones anyway, we know got fired. You know, we've talked about will there be firings at Florida? You know, there's a yes. lot of heat at Ohio State, even though you know they no. keep winning. But he's I, safe. I that's would stupid. think I would. It let, is stupid. Let, I agree with that. Some, but you know how, you know how fun, ridiculous He's stu stuff is. That's stupid. <laughs> that's stupid. It We're is stupid. Fire an 11 and a half win per season coach. Get the right. fuck out of here. That's oh, how by ridiculous the way, boosters are. He did it, and that's ridiculous. He did it in the Big are. Ten. You know, yeah. he did it in the Big Ten. He's 900. Okay. Ryan Day has lost six games. Some smart ass pointed out on Twitter. Yeah, three of them were to Michigan. Okay, before you start throwing those fucking rocks, Michigan, a statistic I happen to see, you are four and twenty or four and nineteen in the last twenty-three games against Ohio State. So yeah. before you start, you know, dusting off the trophy, or they might be five and eighteen now. But the point is, it might be five and eighteen. They've lost eighty percent of the games to Ohio State. That's the point. That's the point, you know, they, oh, yeah. in the last 25 seasons. They, anyway, you're well, dumb I mean, if it... you want to get rid of Ryan Day. <laughs> you're you're dumb if you want to, you know, you're not dumb if you right. want to get rid of Billy Napier. But I don't right. know what the hell you do in Florida. And I told you off air and in text messages that Napier's going to get fired. Right. Florida's just making me look like a fool right now by not pulling the trigger. Well, they're not going but to a bowl. There's no reason to wait. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. The longer Maybe they're going to keep the more, him, but with the yeah. with the tr with the transfer portal, we talked about it. The transfer portal coming, like you said, you don't even know what fucking bowl team you're going to have come January the first or the 
the December the 26th or whatever happens the right. day your bowl game is. You, you don't know? know what your roster is um, No, and the other interesting hire before we move on, because yeah. I promised our fans we're going to get Tangent Terry today. That's hashtag Tangent Terry. Um, <laughs> like, like trigonometry. Um, you like that nerd joke, didn't you? Mike Elko, former defensive coordinator of Texas A&M, former head coach of the Duke Blue Devils, successfully architecting a victory against Clemson this year, mm-hmm. is now the head coach in College Station, not yeah. Mark Stoops. So here's my deal is not. I don't dislike the Elko hire. I think that's who they should have hired off the bat. He is a guy that's been there. Um, people like him there. He was an option. They should have went ahead and got him. But then there's all this story about Stoops. And uh, my understanding, and maybe people are reporting it wrong, is um, A&M didn't think Stoops was good enough to coach for them. My deal is, what have you won that makes you think that you are above Stoops, who went to Kentucky, Kentucky of all places. Kentucky doesn't have the big history, you know. Kentucky doesn't have all this football money. Um, and he's turned it around, and they were patient with him, and he did it. Um, I think fans are a little bit ridiculous sometimes. I mean, maybe the best thing ended up happening, but I just – I don't know. With Texas and Oklahoma coming in, and you've still got Alabama and Georgia, you've got LSU, Florida is eventually going to turn it around, Auburn is moving up, Ole Miss is looking good. Um, Don't act like you're up. Tennessee will rebound. You have done nothing since joining this conference. Don't act like you're a big boy and turn your nose up at a good coach. That's my only point. And I love that for you, Terry, but here's my thing, because I'm not as nice as you are. Terry, ladies and gentlemen, as you know, Terry is far more diplomatic than I, because I just put it out there. Who the fuck wants to coach at College Station when you know that the donors are the ones calling the shots in the first place? Number two, chancellor, president, whatever of the the college says, we're not an eight and four football team. The hell you aren't. You ought to be proud to be eight and four in the SEC. Based on what? Because you ain't. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because you ain't a good football team. Right. Number three, like I've said to you, and we've joked about it, um, but it goes to your point about fan bases, donors, yeah. any of these sort of people. Lane Kiffin has probably hit the ceiling at Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Ten wins at Ole Miss. Pretty fucking good. It is. They'd take six at they take six at Bandy. I mean, damn, you know? <laughs> um Vandy in a bowl game. Right. Is, I got to look that up and see game. how many we've had. I don't know. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying, Terry. There is ceilings for these teams. Yeah. You got to you know, know what it I is. Am, I'm the biggest Nebraska Cornhusker fan that you know, even more so than Sorensen and Bryant. But I, if Nebraska won 10 games regularly, you'd never hear me bitch because they aren't the elite of the elite anymore. Um, I think the problem is, like you said, we've got these gaudy expectations. A good example, and it seems like we talk about him every week as Coach Prime. They come out firing, rolling, 
And now you got a Colorado team who's lost their number one recruiting coach. Um, they're bringing in Warren Sapp to be the D-line coach, from what I've seen, talking about hirings and firings. Right. But they're going to end up relying on the transfer portal again because they have no organic recruiting. Um, and maybe Dion approaches it more as a business because it's the professional aspect that he brings to the coaching because he was a professional player in two sports, that it's okay to have to use the coaching portal. But if I am a head football coach in the NCAA, I don't want to have to use the coaching portal or the coaching portal, the transfer portal, excuse me. I want to be able to cultivate a program from the ground up that we can continue, as I like to call it, about the, the perennial powerhouses, the Michigans, the Georgias, the Alabamas. They just reload the gun, and it's a revolver. And it just, over and again, they simply reload the gun. And I think that that's what we see at these powerhouse marquee teams. That's why they're the powerhouses they are. We've talked about it over and again. Shador Sanders did not play this week because he had a fracture. Um, He had a fracture because... They can't protect him. Right. Most most sacked quarterback in the in the Power Five conference. Um big problems. But my point is, and I don't want to get lost on this because we could really go down some rabbit holes, is they do need to temper expectations at some of these teams. Um South Carolina had a great thing going when the ball coach was there. When Spurrier left South Carolina, and he came in after uh, Holtz, you know, so they yeah. had some they had some tenured, really well respected coaches. And I forgot all about Holtz being over there. My goodness, I hadn't thought about that in years. But it's been all downhill, is my point, Terry. Yeah, you had these really high success at the University of South Carolina, a couple eleven win seasons with both those guys, and now you know they're fighting for three and four wins in this conference. Um, you know, Georgia had hit a ceiling with Mark Rick, and it was a good ceiling. Don't get me wrong. I mean, 11 wins, but they couldn't get by Florida or they couldn't get by LSU or, you know, whoever it was. Um, and I think that's a that's a problem, you know, with some of these expectations is that, yeah, you might have the right guy. You might have the right coach, but you still have to temper what you're going to do. And what you're not going to do. Like the Indiana job. If you go 8-4 and four at Indiana, you've done a good job. I don't care what anybody says. If you go 7-5 and five or 8-4 and four at right. the University of Indiana, a basketball school, as you right. like to say, uh, much more so than a football school, you know, it, I don't know. Some, I just think, like you said, the ridiculous expectations of the football fan base increasingly becomes an issue um and we'll see how this whole transfer portal plays out i guess next week is when it starts after yeah, the championship opens, games yeah it's somebody was uh, so i'll have to look it up but some coach was complaining that it's open too long i think it oh, might open you. december 5th or something like that i would have to look that up but it's something like that but yeah um Man, it's crazy. I mean, there's some big differences in rosters every season at every school. I mean, yep. 
all over the place. Backup quarterbacks do not stay. It's just not a thing anymore. And uh, we'll see what well, happens. Well, and I guess the debate it the debate's Arch Manning because I guess uh, Ewers has said he's coming back. Right. Ohio State's trying to make a play for Arch because they know they need a quarterback. Come but, to Auburn. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Nebraska will gladly have a Manning at the controls, you know? I promise. Let's see. Is but, Dart uh, coming back? Dart's coming back at Ole Miss. I was thinking Manning at Ole Miss. That would be interesting. That would be a lot of fun. Him. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of places he could land if he wanted to. So, But I think with Starkeesian and what that boy's ability is, yeah. He's got he's got the right head coach. It's just he's he got knows he'll have turn. a chance. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. You don't get a lot of that, but he knows he will have his opportunity. Now, the one, I guess, I guess they got three quarterbacks. How much time does the other guy have? Right. Left? Yeah, that's the question to me. I don't think Manning's the guy. I think it's the other one, um, the middle one. Because Arch yeah. is actually third on the depth chart. Right. They planned on not playing him. But, I mean, he hasn't played enough to burn the red shirt because um, they don't do that whole first four game thing anymore. It's the total number of games you played in. So, you can play late in the season now. Yeah, but they burned uh, – Oklahoma's burned their co- burned their red shirt um, because their starter got hurt, hurt his got arm. Got hurt, yeah. So, Oklahoma has burned theirs, yeah. Um, that was a big deal because Venables didn't want to burn him. You know, he wanted right. to keep that eligibility. But, and you know, we talk about it. That's some. That's some of the higher level organizational things that coaches have to be concerned over. Is uh, you know, what's our what's our eligibility look like? What's mm-hmm. this? What's that? What's something else? But I think that'll be a fun show if we did that, Terry. Just you and me bullshit and take the top twenty five, and be like, what is their ceiling at this school? Yeah, you know. Yeah, I got is a lot Michigan of a national championship? What about Iowa? Is ten and two as good as Iowa's going to get? You know, right? Yeah. Um, What's the best? Like you said, Ole Miss. Lane is doing I, about and, as and good look, as you should be able to expect. Ten wins at ten wins at Ole Miss has happened twice, right. and he's got both of them. So you can't argue with what Kiffin's doing. The problem is, does he become that James Franklin or um, you said Gus Malzahn? You know, for your for the SEC, you can't beat the teams that matter. That right. when that happens, you know. Um, yeah, even if you beat his, Alabama, his problem was LSU and Georgia. There's just so right. many of them. Yeah. Oh well, lots of good well, stuff to as talk we, about as in the off we, season. As like you, as we both know, the damn conference is getting huge next year. So every win and loss matters. You got to be consistent. Everyone. You got to bring it. Every Everyone. week, and let's get rid of these yeah. bullcrap cupcake games, and let's get to the point where undefeated seasons are rare because we are playing such good games every week. That's what I want to see. Yep. And I think ah. you don't. And here I'm going back to the same crap I said before. You don't get that with 133 teams. Mm-mm. You get that with like 80. No. Teams. And and let's talk about your boys real quick before we pick the games. If I'm not mistaken, James Madison's getting a bowl game. They are. And the reason, what they waited on, my understanding is the NCAA waited on the end of the season because uh, they did not want to give James Madison a spot that another um, 
six-win team might take. They waited to see how many other – because what they normally do is go to the five and seven teams. But what they did, they put James Madison and I guess there was – was it Jacksonville State? Somebody, a couple of teams they allowed to go to a bowl. They treated them kind of like the five and seven teams, but they put them at the front of the line. So that'll be interesting. Nice. It's good to see that. So let's pick yeah, good games, like you said. We're going to pick some teams that we haven't talked about a single bit because we've got 10 conferences. Normally, we talk about five of them. We're talking about all of them this time. Damn. Let's start out. And I did a little bit of research Hashtag here. blame Terry. Blame Terry. <laughs> we can blame run Terry. through these real quickly. If you want to look something up so you can at least see records, go ahead and do that because I, I had to look it up myself. Let's start with the MAC championship. We've got Mo- Miami, Ohio against Toledo. I'm going to pick Toledo for no better reason than they've got a better record to win this game 24 to 20. Give me Miami of Ohio 31 to 27. All right. So now let's move on to the Mountain West. We've got Boise State and UNLV. You go first this time. Boise State, what's the record, Terry? Um, let me look at it real quick. Boise State. Boise State is. Let me scroll down to it or up to it. Boise State seven and five. UNLV is nine and three. Boise State seven and five and fired their head coach. That's right. They're in the conference championship game. (laughs) Give me UNLV. Let's make that one twenty. Nah, UNLV. That's a good point you make. 31. Talk, go ahead. 31-21. Go ahead. Sorry, 31-21 so, UNLV. You make a really good point there. Boise State is playing for their conference championship, and they fired their head coach. We, we've been talking about Iowa firing their offensive coordinator going to the conference championship. That's nothing compared to Boise State. They fired their head coach. I got to look into that. Did he do something extracurricular or something? There's got to be something going on there. I'm well, also going to five pick... isn't a good record at, at Boise, but, you know, I mean, go ahead. Go ahead, Terry. Talk about UNLV. UNLV 34-20. I just um, – that, that is a bizarre thing. Uh-huh. So. So, of course, let's go to the Sun Belt. In the Sun Belt, we have one of your favorites, the 8-4 and four Appy State. But they play the 10-2 and two Troy Trojans. I am going to go Troy, 34-28. Put it in reverse, Terry. You never bet against App State. It's like betting against Alabama, which I saw you've done already. Spoiler alert, folks. You never bet against App State, so we're going to go App State 38, Troy 34. All right. So this one's going to be interesting. Conference USA championship game. You've got New Mexico State, who um, must have played Hawaii or something this year because they are 10-3. and They've played 13 games. 
and they are playing the undefeated 12 and 0 Liberty Flames. I'm going Liberty 30 to 21. I don't care what they did to Auburn. Liberty's going to beat them. All right, sweetheart. Here we go. My best my best Lee Corso imitation along with all of your favorite fan work head to head. New Mexico State University defeated the University of Auburn. The University of Auburn is coached by one Hugh Freeze, who last year was the head coach of what team? Liberty. Liberty. That's right, the Liberty team that lost to Jerry Kill's New Mexico State University team last year and will do so again this year. (laughs) New Mexico State University, 28, Liberty, 24. A little more information, that loss last year was toward the end of the season. They were favored by three scores and lost by three scores, exactly the way it happened this year for Auburn. Anyway, let's move on don't, to the Don't bet AAC. against the brain tumor. <laughs> the no, AAC. Jerry Kill had brain tumor. That was serious. That's why he oh, left yeah. Minnesota. Right. Yeah, yeah. So the AAC, him. which used to be a decent conference at one point, but has fallen You're away from again. that. AAC, SMU, and SMU is 10 and 2. Tulane, the number 23 AP team, is 11 and 1. They're only lost to Ole Miss. Um, I'm going to go Tulane, 38-21. Yeah, I remember watching the old Miss Tulane game. I think Tulane's got a little bit of press, but I like SMU's feistiness. So give me SMU, and let's do 35-24. Okay. All right, so we got through the five tough ones because we don't know a lot about half of those teams or anything at all about half of those teams, just being honest there. But we needed – we needed 10 games, some we didn't know about, because I got you beat by three games right now, buddy. You needed some games to catch up. <laughs> I pick my teams, and you don't. So there's that. What? You want to have this You want to have this argument on the, on the pick air? pick your team? What does that mean? That means I, unlike you, you voted against Auburn, and Auburn took Alabama to the limit and almost beat them. The and what did they do? They lost. Would, I was correct. That would have been <laughs> the only way that would have been better is if they'd pulled it off. Because I would be willing to give you, you know the what? Point that's on the a pick that's for called that. a win-win. That's what that is. <laughs> if Alabama wins, I win. If Auburn wins, I win. That's what that is. Shut your face. Anyway, let's go to the Big Twelve. We've got Texas and Oklahoma State. I really want to pick a man here, but I just can't do it. I think Texas has maybe figured something out. 34-24 Longhorns. Put it in reverse, Terry. We picking a man because he's 56. He's been in there 19 years. He's going to send Stark on his way out with a loss. 31-28. Give me Oklahoma State in Dallas. It is, by the way, in Jerry's world. Okay. Good deal. We were kind of right, but we weren't confident. So I'm going to make you pick one first this time because I've been picking them first for the last three or four. ACC championship game in Charlotte, I believe. Florida State Seminoles. Louisville Cardinals. What you got? 
This one's Florida State's defense wins this game. I'm going 21-17. Florida All right. State. That sounds pretty similar to what I have, but I am picking Louisville due to the lack of uh, Jordan Travis to win this game 20-17. to 17. All right, All right, let's move to Las Vegas as the Pac-12 championship is undefeated Washington against Oregon, whose only loss earlier in the season was to Washington, who has been steamrolling everybody since then. I've got Oregon. I think Washington finds a little bit of offense, even with the Oregon defense. They figure some things out this week, but it's not enough. Oregon, 48-44. You're a lot more optimistic for Washington than I am, Terry. Give me Oregon. Give me Oregon 42-21. to 21. I think All they right. double up Washington, and I don't think this one's close. Bo Nix hits the side sealed and delivered all the way to the Heisman Trophy winner, and Oregon will be in the playoff before it's said and done. All right. Well, let's head up to the Big Ten. We've talked about it. We've got Michigan undefeated, just defeated Ohio State a couple of weeks after defeating Penn State. They take the East. Iowa, with nothing but defense, comes to town. I think we know who's winning this. What's the score here? 31-0, Michigan. Got them blanking them. I gave them a field goal. But they're giving up another touchdown to Michigan, 38-3. to So then the last one we're going to pick here is the one that you'll be in section 108? 102. 102. 102. 102. The SEC championship at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia versus Alabama. I've got the Bulldogs, 33-27. You would. Let me tell you something, Perry. I've been waiting to do my best Lee Corso for you. So, number one, not so fast. Put it in reverse. Number two, this will be the 11th time that Nick Saban's going for the SEC championship. He's got eight with Emma and two with LSU. So, this would be lucky number 11 if he pulls it off. Nick Saban is four and one against Kirby Smart. Nick Saban is undefeated in the SEC championship game against Kirby Smart. Nick Saban has only been the underdog in five games of the last 185. All to Georgia. He's right where he likes to be. And I'll never pick against the Crimson Tide. <laughs> so give me Alabama. 27. Georgia. 24 and the Crimson Tide end Georgia's playoff hopes. All right. We disagreed on quite a few of those. Good deal. All right. You like it when we disagree. And I, unlike you, do not forsake my team. <laughs> Can't believe you picked them against Alabama. Lord. Hey, in season one, I'll do this. We'll see what happens next year. There's going to be a lot of um, Terry's probably going to win on the point. But at the end of the day, I like what I like. 
and I'm going to root. Here's the thing, though. I fully expect a 15-round price fight Saturday night or afternoon because it is Georgia and Alabama. I think it's going to come down to one turnover, one mistake, one miscalculation, one play nobody expected, and I always go back to the fake punt in the national championship game. Nobody expected Saban to call the fake punt against Clemson, and it completely turned the tide of that game, no pun intended. So when you can do something like that, that matters. So I think that um, I think that Saban's experience, Mercedes-Benz, Tuscaloosa, East, not North. It's East. Tell them, Terry. It is definitely East. We I sent a map. On the map. Terry, as I do quite Terry, often, Terry I sent a map. Maps. It's East, not North. It's East. It's East. Tuscaloosa East. But it is the home away from home for the Alabama Crimson Tide and has been for the last 15 years. So I deliberately chose this game, and this is my closing thoughts, as you like to say. Yep. I deliberately chose going to this game because Championship Saturday is always on my birthday. Uh, or always the week of my birthday. <laughs> and this may be the very last time that we get to see Saban and Kirby lock it up. Saban's getting towards the end of his career. Yep. And Kirby's got how many ever years he wants in Athens. They love him there. He's going to get his statue soon enough. Um I mean, short of killing somebody in Main Street, on Main Street, Kirby is a hero in in Athens, Georgia. But this is, to me, the college football version of Anakin and Darth Vader, or Darth Vader and Obi-Wan. Because... You've got the teacher and you've got the pupil. But I don't know if Kirby Smart's much of a pupil anymore, even though he speaks so highly of Nick Saban and the amount of reverence and respect and all the things that he learned from Saban. And Saban speaks the same way about Kirby. But I think they're as much or as close to being equals as anybody that Saban has in college football right now. Because Urban Meyer's retired, you know. He was quite the equal for for Saban for a long time. Yep. But I don't know that Saban's got that many people that test him the way Kirby Smart tests him. And I think we're in for a fun game Saturday night. Um, I'm certainly looking forward to it. I've never been to Mercedes-Benz, so um, that's why I was joking with you earlier. Is two hours early enough to get into the stadium? You're like, hell, I don't know. Yeah, I've but you go to Jordan Hare, and that's I'm old. I was going to the that's Georgia. Fifteen thousand people more. We will miss you in Atlanta, but uh, you know, there's always Tuscaloosa next year, unless you want to <laughs> defer to Jordan Hare the year after. Well, maybe Saban will retire, just... and that'll be okay. We might just have to make it a tradition to go to the Iron Bowl, you know? I don't know. Why not? We'll, we'll figure that out. Maybe maybe we'll, we'll go to the Iron out. Bowl. Maybe we pick a championship game. Maybe we go to a bowl game. Let's drop a lot of money on this. <laughs> anyway, yeah, well, it's thank like you, you said. Sir. We could go to we could go to Tennessee for all that matters just cuz they've got a great stadium. Doesn't yeah. mean we're going to root for the Volunteers, but they've got <laughs> no. a great stadium, you know? <laughs> 
And it's and it's about that point for both of us, I think. But you know, because I'm eleven hours, I'm eleven hours from you. So over yep. here in eastern North Carolina. Yeah, we'll but, figure it out. I think no, I look forward next to year we'll it. plan on that. And and we'll we'll definitely hit up some games um and speak from experience, seeing these games up close, talk about some atmospheres. Um Join in on some celebrations for whoever it may be that's celebrating, you know, win in Rome, right? So I think we need to do that um, and get the full feel of college And be football. fake news. Yeah, we'll be fake news, you that's know. Right. <laughs> One thing I will say is I, I used to love game day and then it kind of fell off. And you and I have talked about this. McAfee brings so much to game day that it has renewed my interest in even paying attention to that program. And the only reason I mentioned game day is they cover all the college sports stuff before we get to see the games. Yeah. It's they great. need to sign him to a long-term contract because they let Pollock go, which I think was a mistake at ESPN. I thought David Pollock was fantastic, speaking of the Georgia Bulldogs. But uh, they really have done a nice job with him and the entertainment that he brings to football. I would love to figure out a game to go to game day. Yeah, Just mentioning be, that. That's hard, you. though, because you don't know. Yeah, because they don't you plan don't know. that out. Yeah. Unless you know we'll it's like see. a really big game, but even like those, you're still rolling the dice on, you know? But when right. he did the whole Georgia drunk song or whatever on national television, <laughs> and he yes. had all of them behind him screaming and hollering, I mean, that, that kind of stuff you you can't replace you know that that's right. the stuff that that makes being a college football fan so much fun um oh being the team that's supposed to lose by 21 and taking the multi-time national champions to the limit saturday you know it happened. let's watch that let's watch that one live i mean what that's what right. a roller coaster that would have been you know so exactly. we'll find some games it'll be fun and well, next year you don't have up. any excuses. You don't have any excuses. And then I'll, I'm I'm done. No excuses, Terry. We have an text. So listen, everybody. Thank you for listening. We went a little bit long, but we really enjoy talking about this. There's a lot more to talk about toward the end of the season with coach firings and bowl games and transfer portal and all that stuff. And um, we're going to know a lot more information a week from today, and we'll talk about that. And my final thought for you today is, I know it is not today. It is in a few days, but happy birthday, sir. I hope you have a blast in Atlanta. You, I hope the game goes exactly how you hope it does. But thanks, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you later. Thank you for listening. We are TNA Top 10 on all social media. I'm TWeave79. He's 30, your fan. We're available weekly where you get your podcasts. Like, subscribe, and share. Thank you.